Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane in Australia. It's episode 109 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we talk all things Metallica with the all-new blackened M81 cigar. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobacco, has been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with their Kai priming binder and filled tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich uh, flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Scars, a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double H 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Aids, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Minso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroyo took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now, JRE Tobacco, Julius, and Husso bring their very own brand to market and each contain the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Limited Edition, and each represent the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retail. Be sure to ask for JRE Tobacco. A legacy that is tasted in every draw. And I uh, want to mention Tobacco Air USA. Makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco Air USA. Great things are happening here. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Cigars ME1 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro Tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The All Maduro Black and Cigars ME1 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of as a chocolate espresso that's perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios for the Thursday Primetime Show. Sponsored by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, episode 109. We are in a late September edition here. Uh, Will Cooper, I am in the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage. Joined, as always, by my good friend and colleague in the other end of the world, Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. How are you doing? Doing good. It's been a few weeks. Uh, we mm. both had some stuff going on, and uh, it's great to be back this week uh, together. So, I mean, the last time the last time we got together, Dave, we were doing a football show with Sh- Surgeon. Uh, 
Yes. And and since then I've I've stopped watching the New York Giants. I, I can't do it. Oh, God, I can't do it anymore. No, I'm not jumping ship to another team. But here's the thing: I gotta pay for these Giants games, like whether it's Amazon account, my Amazon, oh. account, or or NFL pack, NFL Sunday ticket, which went up a lot. I'm just not doing it. If the game's on, I'll I'll put it on. But I'm not doing it. Not 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 what they've shown me this year. I'm just I'm very disgusted with them. It is rough. Yeah. Spe- speaking of rough. Oh, I'm uh, following college football online right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, halftime in the Colorado Oregon game. Dion, Coach Prime. Do you want? Do you want to know the score? Yes. Colorado fighting tough, putting up nothing, zero to Oregon's thirty-five. Yeah, well, I think it's a reality check for Coach Prime here. Yeah. <laughs> Oregon has more first downs than Colorado has total yards in the first half. Yeah. They have, oh. or, Oregon has 22 first downs. Colorado has 21 yards. You, you know, look, Deion Sanders, he took basically uh, uh, the team he had when he was coaching it uh, last year. Yeah. Which, which is like Division One A, AA, and uh, he only you know, brought him in. And I think he's gotten them to play hard, but when you you get it, this is this. I heard this saying this was going to be the reality test for Colorado, and it Oof. is. So we'll see how they come out in the uh, second half there. But that is rough. Uh, I try. I gotta. I gotta print out. Uh, I gotta print out because uh, you know I love the NFL, but I you know I have some stake in the game now, so I'm trying. I'm trying to figure how my Picks are doing. Uh, Steelers not great, although they did get a win against the Browns. Man, the Browns look bad. Oh, the Browns are bad. Uh, yeah, they, Watson they looks are, very bad. He, yeah, they're not that. And then they lost. Uh, what's his face? Chubb right now. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah. Speaking of injuries, I mean, how, how did, I mean, I don't look. John is doing fine. Yes. But, oh, I mean, is that anything Fourth more Jets-like play. than what happened? Oh, that is unbelievable. And I was talking to uh, my wife about it the other day because now in Australia, there's all these Jet games on because we, we only get, like, the Sunday night game, the featured game, and, like, the we only get the featured games. So, like, Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night football, and then, like, whatever they feature. So... Before this happened, they featured a lot of Jets games, and now I don't know what they're going to do. They can't flex out of them. They can later in the year. Later but, in the year, but but not the Thursday games. It's only Sunday night they can flex. I don't know. It, Jets might need to get on the. Well, the Jets have to hope that the Vikings lose again. And they go zero and three, and they're looking for a rebuild, and they can like trade a whole bunch of picks and get Kirk Cousins or somebody. Yeah, I mean, you you look, and they only have a backup for Zach Wilson. They have a guy off the taxi squad oh, if that happens. God, but there's a little bit of a movement going on in New York this week. So Zach Wilson has been awful, as as any everybody yes. expected, right? Well, yeah. you know, last month when Trey Turner for the Philadelphia Phillies was struggling, there was a movement to get. Uh, the fans behind him instead of bullying him. And the fans got behind him. They started cheering him every time he came up to the plate. And he, who was in a horrific slump most of the season, has just been on fire since that happened, right? 
Mm. So now the, the New York radio stations are seeing this and they want to do the same thing for Zach, Zach Wilson. Oh, good luck with that. Well, I, yeah, I think this is a much bigger, I, but I'm behind it. I'm behind it. You know what? Give oh, a, yeah. Let's, you know, instead of beating this guy when he's down, who's put in a very impossible situation. Let's see what happens. Let's, you know, why not? You know, but I, I, I wouldn't have high expectations from it. No. So we'll see what happens with all of that. Um, and then yeah, I gotta chart. I gotta chart my picks here. I gotta look at that. Uh, look at my. Look at my. I should pick the Jets under now. Yeah. But uh, it, yeah, it, Surgeon cannot be. Uh, I saw him wearing the uh, the jersey there. On uh, on um, on the review that we're gonna talk about. Yes. But he's got to be, cause that, cause like basically they have a complete team other than that. Well, the line is suspect still, but I'm going to say this, and I was going back and forth with Hector on this during the week. I think the Jets defense played terrible last week. I know it was the Cowboys and the Cowboys are good, but that's supposed to be a dominant defense and they look terrible. I I put more of that on the defense than I do on Zach Zach Wilson. He's not great, but I don't think he's the reason why they lost by the score they did. That defense was awful. Yeah, they they were missing tackles left and right, and they could say, "Well, I know they're on the field, but they were missing." When you miss tackles, that's that's a red flag with me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, yeah, like the Cowboys are gonna be good. Like I think we all picked them to go to the playoffs, but they're, they're not good. Look, they're good. good. As much as I hate that team, they're good. You can't you can't deny that they're playing at another level right now. But they're not as good as as uh, the Jets made them look. No, and, and and they're not as good as the Giants made them look. The Giants just look no. like the the Giants just like Man. folded over. Um, I, and I have not watched the Giant game since I turned that Giant game off in at the halftime in that game one. And I just I didn't I was traveling last week, so I didn't get a chance to uh, see the uh, the Giant Arizona game. Nor nor did mm. I, but I I didn't put oh. it on the radio. I had I have serious radio, and when I was driving, I I put on the Jet game. So I just, I just, you know, this is the thing. I get people. Well, I'm a, you're not a fan for life. I have been a fan for life. I'm getting older, right? And and frankly, you know, okay. it's costing me a lot of money to follow this team. I could, that money could be used for something else. Like, <laughs> like, like, like. I'm not. I don't want them. To, I'm not rooting for them to lose. That's the difference. But I'm like, yeah, I, but... I'm emotionally spent right now. Um, I, I need to get. I need. I need like a, a trial separation from the Giants. Is what I said. Yeah, and I don't know what they do because they're locked into that court to Daniel Jones who just paid him. So I don't know what you do there, Cooper. I, I mean, you can't I, you really... know, I kept saying, like, don't sign him. Just go with Tyrod Taylor. He wasn't he's not that much worse than Daniel Jones is right now. And then at least then you could be like, Okay, well, we'll rebuild. You can't really move on from him. I mean no. I mean, I saw that Eagles playoff game last year, and I realized how exposed we were. Like the Eagles just completely mm. exposed us. I don't know why I picked them for the final playoff spot, but I did, and I'm sorry I did because I, I they're not a playoff mm-hmm. team by any means. No, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with our with our picks. Um, man, 49ers look good. Hmm. They do. uh, They do. Oh, and last thing I'll say before we move on to the actual show, 
Yeah, we haven't even gotten uh, into the show yet. <laughs> Sean Payton is going to uh, regret what he said about the uh, with about uh, Hackett when he yeah. stares down Owen three. Look from. It's like oops. I I thought you know, Eric made a good point, Dojo. I thought in game one Russell Wilson looked bad, but after game two and, and what I saw at the highlights, and again I didn't see the game. Eric made the statement. When are we going to realize the Russell Wilson experiment is over? Yeah, well, and, he, and he's a hundred percent. He's a hundred percent right. He's a hundred percent right. So I, I thought, you know, I thought after game one there was some, but no, it's uh, that's it. <laughs> it's it. It's over. So ah, oh, all the so well. Yep. Talk to us about the trip here, Coop. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll make it real. I took a trip to Texas. Uh, I drove from Charlotte to Dallas, which is about a 17-hour drive. Uh, it's a great drive to take. I went for a few reasons. Um, number uh, number one was to see Bear. Uh, number two was to see a retailer friend of mine by the, Jay, uh, by the name of Jay Davis. Uh, he's become a very good friend of mine. He owns Blue Smoke in Dallas. And number three is to go to the McAuliffe Open House, which I went to, um, you know, uh, as well. So I timed everything. Uh, Jay Davis, who owns Blue Smoke of Dallas, had a Tatawahe event. He had some. Oh, yeah. So it was Dan Welsh, who's the guy from Surrogates, was there. Dan's an awesome guy, by the way. Uh, I spent some time. I went to dinner with him. He's awesome. Uh, the McAuliffe event's a, a great event. Uh, if, you, if folks have not gone to it, um, this is what I'll say. It's not an event where you're going to come with a bag and come home with like 40 cigars. All right. It's mm. it's not really that type of an event. It, it has, it combines three things. There's a great cigar dinner the night before in downtown Fort Worth at a restaurant mm. called Riata that they own. It's All one right. of the top restaurants in town. It's got like this Western vibe to it. Um, great steaks. Uh, tamales were out of this world. Uh, and it was a smoking dinner, which was great. They have a roof where you can smoke on in downtown Fort Worth. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm. Um, the second thing is they do what what I would say is a cigar crawl, and what they do is oh. they uh, they have a bunch of of uh, events at local retailers that carry McAuliffe product, and uh, it's a great way to support the brick and mortars. So you know, and it kind of reminds me of the old. We used to have cigar crawls in North Carolina where you get a bus and you go to like four shops in a day. This didn't have a oh, bus, yeah. but but you could just go and come, and it was it was great. I I went to a couple of the shops and uh, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, every shop has a different charm. Good retailers, so that was it. And then the third thing was the actual open house, which was held at McAuliffe headquarters. They had uh food, drinks, cigars, um, games, uh, you name it. And that's you know these events you don't have to overthink them, Dave. When it comes, people mm. just want to be able to smoke together. That's I think yeah. really. I know a lot of these events they want they worry about like entertaining people. Just get people people want to get together and smoke. And what's really cool is McAuliffe has a very strong community. They call it the ambassador community. And mm-hmm. um people get together to see each other like once a year with that. Now they brought all you know, now they have the uh partnership with All Saints Cigars. All Saints Cigars was a part of it this year. Uh it was a good it was a good event. Like I said, you're not gonna come home with forty cigars unless you you know, but it's it's mm-hmm. not that type of an event. And uh if you want great camaraderie a great setting, which Fort Worth is a beautiful city. Uh, they're actually west of Fort Worth. Uh, I I highly recommend it. Um, I mm. don't think I'm going next year because I think next year I'm going to Inner Tobacco that weekend. So yeah, but uh, I will go back in the future. Yeah, I'd definitely go back. I and mean, there's a lot of potential to grow this event more. So 
I think they did a good nice. job. Yep. Oh, good. Yep. Oh, it sounds like a good trip. Yep. Um, now we get getting music. You got a ton of music news of artists yeah, who passed yeah. away. So I may just let you start off with that to make sure that we get to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And I, I won't go too long. Well, there were, there were a few deaths that happened um, in the, the world of music since we have been, um, you know, off. Um, so the first one is, um, the death of Gary Wright. Uh, I would say Gary Wright. I called him a, a two hit wonder. Mm. Uh, he's known for two big hit songs. Uh, love is alive and Dreamweaver. They're both from mm. the same album. Um, and you know, I actually saw Gary Wright in concert with my, of all people, my mom. Uh, all he, right. He, we, I took my mom to see Ringo Starr and the all-star band in 2008. And one of the all-stars was Gary Wright. And I'm telling you, the number that stole ah. the show is performance of Love is Alive. He just, right. like, he just it, 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 it was just a great, it was my most memorable performance. Gary plays that, I don't know what the name of the instrument is, Dave. It's the keyboard that he kind of wears around his neck, you know? Oh, he, it's like a keytar, I think they yeah, call it. Yeah, it's like a keytar or something like that, yeah. But he really, um, I mean, he's really uh, keyboard-driven, Gary Wright, his music. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, uh, he actually is a guy who, he actually started out medical school and then, uh, ended up going into music. So go for it. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the band, he was really with a blues band called Spooky Tooth. And what happened is, uh, he connected with George Harrison and he was brought in as a session musician. He played keyboards on the All Things Must Pass album. In fact, mm-hmm. Harrison took right to India. And All right. I had one of those spiritual awakenings. And Dreamweaver was a song totally prepared uh, by that, yeah. Uh, but he did other albums such as uh, he did other albums for BB King, Harry Nielsen, Jerry Lee Lewis. But his Gary Wright's popularity was with that one album in, in, in the, mm. the Dreamweaver album. It's called. Oh yeah, in the seventies. You know, so Love Is Alive and Dreamweaver are the two songs I selected. And uh, folks, well, he apparently Gary was struggling with Parkinson's over the last mm. uh, few months, so that's I think was the cause of death for Gary Wright. Uh, he was 80 years old, by the way, so he wasn't young, wow. but, but yeah. Uh, we have a death um, in the world of the uh, record executive world. Jerry Moss, uh, he was the co-founder of A&M Records with Herb Alpert. So Herb was the A, Herb Alpert was the A, Jerry Moss was the M. Mm. Uh, Herb was the, was the music guy, Jerry was the business guy, um... They sold their company to Polygram in 1989 for a ton of money. They made a ton of money, these guys. Oh, yeah. Um, and But Jerry was more of a – I think Jerry's in the Hall of Fame as a contributor. He, like I said, he's not a musician. He was an executive. But A&M Records was a powerhouse uh, mm. of a label in the 80s. It was an absolute powerhouse. Uh, I mean, I know they had artists like Sting on them. There's a lot of big artists. but uh, And Herb Albert, who was a musician, he, like, he made a ton of money off that. So – uh, Jerry Jerry Moss has passed away. He was 88 years old. And then this one, Dave, was one that hit me hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. So, and I actually was Facebook friends with this guy. Oh. I didn't know him personally, but I actually was going to toy with the idea, maybe in an upcoming month, maybe seeing if I could get this guy on the show, right? Um, his name is Jack Sonny. Um, he was a session musician who did have a brief sprint in Dire Straits. Um, and he 
left dire straits to go into other aspects of the music business in the late eighties because he um he had, his wife had twins and he ended up working more on the production end of things and the business end of things in the music business. But he never like totally abandoned the music business. But he stopped becoming like a session musician because it was tolling. Uh, but he has, in my opinion, Dave, one of those memorable performances. And if you watch the Live Aid concert, and I'm gonna put the when we do when we put the show, I'll put the link into put this. The link, yeah. Um, Jack Sonny is on stage playing guitar. Uh, with Dire Straits and Sting. Sting was actually performing with Dire Straits, Money for Nothing, who he has the co-vocals. Mm, and Jack Sonny, you'll see him on the stage. He, he he steals the show in a lot of ways. He had this long red jacket, right? And these kind of goofy sunglasses, right? Ah, yes. And he is basically, there's Mark Knopfler and Sting. And then Jack Sonny is like the third part of this performance. Uh, he is just, he... He's doing the vocals. I want my, I want my MTV, and you can see Sting is really digging performing with him. You can see the the chemistry of these two guys. Uh, it was just a memorable moment at, at Live Aid. It was, I think, when we did the Live Aid show with Seth. I think I talked about this guy's performance. Um, and like I said, he, I, I was kind of sad to see him uh, pass away, and it was very sudden. From what I end, I don't want to say it was sudden. I think he got sick quickly and passed away. So, is right. Um, but I think he was like 60, he's in his late 60s, Jack Stoney. So he wasn't that old. Um, but yeah, he was that performance that, uh, he's also in the uh, Walk of Life video too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yep. So you can see him in there. Yeah. So yeah, three, three sad, uh, sad things happened this week. Mm. I have one piece of uh, bright, hopeful news that just happened. Oh, a couple hours ago? No, day ago. And that's Dolly Parton has released her latest single from the upcoming Rockstar record. Which one is this one now? So this is the single is called What's Up? And it's a cover of a Four Non Blondes song. And she's doing it with Linda Perry from the Four Non Blondes. Interesting. And that just dropped like a day ago. I have to listen to the track. It's getting good reviews. Uh, this is what the fourth single, I think, that's dropped. Yeah, yeah I mean, so we had get, yeah, World on Fire, and then Magic Man, and then the other one with but, um, Judas Priest. No, and the Beatles one dropped, didn't it? Oh yeah, so it's five. Well, yeah, Beatles, so five. It's five. Yeah, I wasn't but, a huge fan of that Beatles track. I'm not saying it was no. bad, but it definitely underwhelmed me. I felt that Dolly was great, but in whatever the production was, there wasn't enough room for Paul to have any vocals, really. Like, he had a very minor role, I felt. I wanted it, more Paul. But that's a Paul song, right? Yeah. That was, that was very much a Paul song, which surprised me. Let it be is is a Paul song. Um, but there was, I agree. I, I, I totally agree. With you. It wasn't a bad song though. by any means. It was not no. bad. Um, magic man to me really, really was great. Magic, I, man, I, was magic man was good. awesome. Very good. Yeah. Uh, no, no question about that. Uh, uh, but yeah, it was, um, but I think we were kind of, you, you, you were very, um, 
what's the word I was, but you were very cautiously optimistic about that track. Like you just, I was cautiously optimistic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You were definitely cautiously optimistic on that. Um, but the album is scheduled to drop on November 17th. They're going to release the whole thing in singles at this <laughs> rate. Yeah. Rate. Yeah. They, they said so they, yeah. So the, yeah, there are five singles, um, that have been released. And they got, I mean, I guess it's trying to build the hype. I mean, it's a big enough record. It's like a, it's like 30 songs or something. Yeah. It's 30 songs. Um, it's massive. Yeah. So it's not like they're going to run out of, out of tracks, but, um, I'm curious about that. What's that? What's up track? I mean, I think that was one that always had my, uh, that had, yeah, my I just, I just, uh, saw news about it. So I haven't had a chance to hear it. Cause I did listen to another track from, uh, shall we say an aging artist that we'll talk about in new, in the new music 45. Oh, I think the one I put in. Yes. Yeah. We got a lot to talk about with that one. I knew that was, I knew that track was coming. Like I was aware of the album. Yeah. Which, by the way, I mean, I I don't know. Hire a new person in charge of your album art. I mean, what is going on there? Anyway, um. Yeah, and I gotta say, awful. I have some. Great. I have some positives and I have some negatives about that track. That album art is grotesque. Y- anyway. Y- yeah. It was. Uh. It- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, it's that's... like made by AI. It's just terrible album art. <laughs> Anyhow, um, you know, and their fans—they're known for their album art. That's the thing. They're no—they've had good album art. It's not like they have bad well, bad album that, art. That, well, that this is not that. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, I saw the album art. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, needless to say, we'll be talking about a song that will not be making the top fifty of the year for for my list, but. Worthy to talk about for a lot of uh, a lot of reasons, and we will get there. Yep. Um, right. oh, oh. So yeah, so we got the Dolly track. Uh, I'll have a listen to it. Um, if it's like any good, it'll probably get reviewed on the site. Yeah, um, I, I mean, so the 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 uh, the Dolly album is not eligible for the coop list this year, but uh, my album list. So the cutoff is October thirty yes. first. So yeah, the album. I mean, it's not gonna. Yeah, I and I haven't done singles. Like, but if you're doing singles, you have five songs you could pick from. Certainly, yeah. I I mean, definitely one of those singles is gonna make yeah. the top fifty. Yeah, um, because they're all amazing. I mean, not all because we talked about the Beatles one. Magic Man is so good. Um. Yeah. But we will, uh, we'll, I mean, it's crazy, Coop. By the time, the album, I mean, you have just in, in in lead singles, you have almost an EP length record. Yeah. You have <laughs> in lead singles. Anyway, it's crazy. So how many singles do you think are going to come off of this record? At least like what? I'm going to say it's going to be nine. Because she's going to release some after it drops. So like, yeah, nine, ten. Yeah, and that's a lot. That's a lot to do. Um, so, I mean, I don't think, I think once you get, usually once you get past five, it's tough. Uh, like I've seen a few artists pull seven. I remember Springsteen did seven from born in the USA, but yeah, I think there's going to be a lot, but you know, there's a lot you're pulling from 30, but, uh, I think, I mean, if I'm whoever's marketing this thing, I mean, I think after November 17th, that's when you start pushing the album. And I think if you release too many singles, it's going to hurt the album as a whole. Yeah. I mean, right now we got 
Um, one just like straight up Dolly, <clears throat> just her song, which is the first single they released, "The World on Fire." Yeah, and then all the rest of you have been covers or featuring artists that people were sort of excited to hear about. Or, I mean, Linda here, this Four Non Blondes cover, I don't know if that was known ahead of time or if that's a bit of a surprise um, as well. There, but, there's a uh, lot of very intriguing um, tracks that are on here. Mm, um, mm, I think I agree with you. I'm a little skeptical on the Purple Rain, but I, I'm, I'm really curious to see her do Night skeptical. Moves with Chris Stapleton. Yes. Uh, oh, I'm, yeah. That's and I'm curious great. to see what they do with Heart of Glass. Which I I just I don't know how they're gonna do that one. Um, Her with Chris I, Stapleton is just gonna be amazing. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, I mean, I, the other ones I can't get no satisfaction. I'm happy about Pink. I'm not happy about Brandy Carlisle on it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Brandy Carlisle is kind of everywhere. So yeah, you gotta expect that, I guess. Yeah, and then there's uh the Simon LeBond track, My Blue Tears, which I believe yes, which uh, you are yeah. probably very excited about. Yeah, and this is a uh that's a Dolly track they're doing. So Yeah. Uh and you know, Duran Duran, I've heard a couple of other by the way, just sidebar it real quick. Uh somebody I I was big on the Halloween song they did. A couple of the other tracks have not really wowed me, I'll be honest with you. Oh so we'll is that album dropped? It hasn't, but there's been singles. Every, I should say there's only one other single that's released. So the second single did not wow me is what I'll say. Okay, I love that. I love that Halloween track. Yeah. I think that Halloween track's incredible. But the, the second single was not as much of a wow factor. So we will see, we shall see with that. Yeah, so. I uh, I'm excited for that record. That song really didn't do it for me like it did. I loved you, it. But I loved it. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably my track of the year. So- yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the last record was so good. Yeah, I I am still gonna check the album out. Oh yeah, I think it is. I mean, but that last album was like, yeah, that was that was a case of I think a band having one more great album left in them. Such, that's it, such it, a good record, you know. And I think it was, I think that was definitely the case with that. So it's like the Tears for Fears album. I just listened to the one t- more Timmy Point. I listened to it the other day, and I'm like, man, this is such a good record. It it is. Okay. Um, you know what's surprising about that album, though, it is not the Tears for Fears community has not gotten as much behind it as the non Tears for Fears community. Oh, it, it, so Tears good. for Fears community is like we like it. It's a good album, but like of the seven albums, it's probably number seven. Uh, and oh. but it's up against some good competition. So That's I mean, true. but. I think that album has a different appeal too. I think it it, it brought mm. a lot of people in to become Tears for Fears fans because of that. It's so, so good. I mean, yeah. and then Diana Ross is out. Yeah, a lot of great, uh, a lot of great stuff. Yeah, records released lately. Um, yeah. Speaking of great stuff, Cigar News Coop. I see this note here: breaking records. We had a record-setting day on Cigar Coop on Wednesday, uh, and it was a very simple story uh, about a Pennsylvania smoking ban. Right where they they want to basically remove the exemptions uh, where you can smoke in most places indoors, so it basically create oh. a, a a indoor smoking ban. Stories like that are not like high traffic stories normally, right? Yeah. However, we got picked up by Newsbreak and Apple News with that story, oh. and it, it exploded into like over seventeen thousand you know views for that. God, it was so. Yeah, right. that was like. 
so that's why that happened. Like I was gonna say this was like a really shitty week for news, but that story yeah. uh really kind of made made a big impact. So uh it was a great traffic day for us. I'll just say that. It kind of carried over the rest of the week. It settled down now, but yeah, that uh if you go onto news break, you can find the story and there's like there's like over a hundred comments on the story too. A lot of people wow. both the pro the pro uh the pro and the anti tobacco people pretty much are going at. I had to shut the comments off on Coop because it was getting a little. It was just too much. It was a little too much. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was just it wasn't. I, I I figured let Apple News break and have the let them have their comments. Uh, I just didn't really feel like refereeing them and. No. Yeah. I uh, I read uh, I saw a little cigar news tidbit from Coop, and that's the uh, the face. The face is so that's uh, coming out. Yeah. Um. So that's the re-release, and I'm actually really excited about the face being re-released. That's one of my. I would probably put that in my top three of the monster series. Mm. Maybe, maybe it is my number two. Oh wow! Yeah, maybe it's my number. I, I would probably maybe three, three. I I like. I, I'll tell you what. The bride is still my favorite one. The bride, really? is, the bride has always been my favorite. Yeah, the bride became my favorite. The Frank is second, but I'd probably put this one third. Okay, it's very good. Yeah, uh, Wolfman's pretty good as well, but that's probably the mm. other one I would say is maybe in that, that category. But yeah, so I'm, and Wolfman will be next year, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yes. Yep. So that should be dropping in the next couple of weeks, uh, for sure. Yeah, so I saw that. That was just very exciting. So, like, I think it was like redo three or whatever. Redo, yeah. So every time now they use this Redux or redo, R E D U X. So he's numbering. You know, I was talking to someone this morning about this. I said he's cycling through these monsters again. He's not going to be done cycling these things till twenty thirty three, like when he recycles oh. the. So if he, assuming he keeps at a one a year pace, I'm going to be on Social Security by the time that that, that that's <laughs> not a joke. That's reality. I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going to be on, get, collecting a social security check when that happens. So it, it, it's going to probably come faster than you think. Because <laughs> I remember when the face was released. <laughs> it seems like it was yesterday uh, when the face was released. <laughs> so oh, that's, that's true. Yeah. I was I was um, I was up in New Hampshire. Right. And uh, that this uh, Kirk Kendall, who owns 724 Scars, I was at his shop. And right before I <laughs> Right before I came in, someone bought the last boxes of the face, and uh, they were so nice to me. They had one behind the counter, and they they actually gave it to me. So, wow! Yeah, that was really nice of that. So that was nice of them. Yeah, I said, "No, nah, I would have bought it," and they said, "Nah." They, they said <laughs> they felt bad for me. They knew who I was. That I was just. I said, "Not that I was anyone. I was just starting out." But they'd heard of me, right? And they all here. They take one. So I was like, "That was nice of them." Nice. Why? Well, yeah. So that'd be very exciting. The Master Series as well. And yep. um So Palette, so I had one review in the notes, and then I read, looked at the notes, and I saw Coop wrote a review. Coop wrote a note that said, uh, Seth drops a zero score, but does it with class. And I was like, a zero. Yeah. And so I had to watch that. So I watched that the other day. Yeah. And and yeah, just um no, the the uh, the just could couldn't smoke the cigar. Just could like couldn't draw it at all. He said, "Yeah, the, it, uh, uh, yeah." Arista Harvest, right? And the other guys weren't weren't down on it. In fact, June liked it. Um, and uh, 
you know, Aaron wasn't like like the scores were Aaron five six five, Surgeon five seven, or that's like great for Surgeon, June six eight two, and Seth gave a zero. And to Seth and I think look, you, I give developing pallets a lot of credit here. They didn't pull this, okay. Um he had a problem with the cigar. Let's pull the review. They didn't do that, right? Yeah. And when Seth got on there, he said Basically, he wants to give this cigar a second chance, but he goes, "What he smoked? I couldn't smoke it. He couldn't smoke it. And when you can't, when it's not burning, it's not drawing. It's a zero. There's nothing. Yeah. Nothing and Aaron and I had done a show on how tough it is to get a zero. We we almost think it's hard. Like less people give zeros than give hundreds. Yeah. But this was a. But when you know, I was talking to Aaron about this, and he said, "What do you do here if the cigar doesn't draw it and it doesn't burn, and he's going through a review cycle of this?" That's what comes out of here. But, you know, it wasn't like Seth was like punching on these guys. And he said, no. you, know, you know, and, and I'll say Artisa is a great company. They I've dealt with them before. They're really good people. They, and they do make good cigars. And to Seth's credit, he said it happened this time. But that doesn't mean I won't try this cigar again. You know, it deserves well, that's what he said. Taste. He said he's yeah. going to try and either buy it or get some scent and that he'll do you a personal review himself. Yeah. Yeah. They do those personal ones from time to time. I mean, so, which I think is a you know classy move. I think him. it's a classy move, but I think it's a good move, and I think it shows something as a reviewer that you know you have to do that sometimes. Um, so I mean, and in their case, they had you know there were others. Obviously, they were very transparent about it. There was probably a one-off issue with with the cigars yeah. that had, yeah. Well, I, I mean, they, that's, I think yeah, yeah they ahead. only do one. They only do one cigar. That's why. And I think it's a good reminder that people bring up a lot, but I think it's a good reminder that like, if you buy, say you get like, you want to try a cigar, right? Like say today is our blackened um, Metallica show. So say right. like, wow, these guys are really love the blackened. I'm going to pick one up, just try it and see what it's like. And you get some cigar and it's not drawing and it burns awful. And you're like, Oh, this, this brand is terrible. I think it's, 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 we always say it. It's that like each, one, because a handmade is a little bit different. You can get the odd, you know, bad one in the box, but it doesn't, you know, it shouldn't, you know, ruin the brand as a whole, you know, like. Right, right. It's still I mean, worth, you know, giving it another go. It's seeing like, well, was it, did I just get the bad one or did I get, you know, or is this a wider issue? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I've had a couple cases where I've gone back and revisited a cigar. Or mostly it's just different size I'll go with. Uh, and I've had cases where it's been better. Um, you know, and a lot of times, sometimes it's a case of what you call, Dave, it's not the cigar, it's me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, you know, Bear and I were talking about this one cigar, and he loves it. And I said, Bear, I don't think there's anything wrong with this cigar, right, other than the flavors just don't kick with me. Uh, yeah. Good, you know, I can see someone who likes those types of flavors, it's for them. Uh, but my job as the reviewer is to tell people what I think about those flavors. Some reviewers won't do that, but I think people want to know mm. your opinion because they align with your profile, which is yeah. why I think it's important. I mean, it's the classic, uh, since we're talking about Seth a lot, it's the classic when he was on and I was talking, I was smoking the the 4 by 70 lunatic torch and he could not believe it. He and was I'm like, horrified. oh, he was horrified. He was, hor he was horrified. And I said, oh, I really like the cigar. And uh, and he ended up saying, he's like, well, you know, I'm glad you like it because the more you buy, it gives them more money to make good cigars than I like. 
And you I'm know, like, oh, fair enough. You know, we had Terrence on the show tonight, and he was singing the praises of that 70. <laughs> oh, I love that cigar. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and he's I'll like. I'll die on a hill for that cigar. I know you want Seth was horrified on that one. I don't know he was, he was, he was, he was questioning like, "What are you doing?" Like everything I've ever said. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" <laughs> but you know, like you said, it just you know that's fine because it gives them more money to make stuff that he likes. Yep, exactly. Like good. I think he said it gives him more money to make good cigars. I think is what he said. But hey, yep. yep. To each their own. Um. Yep. So, like I said, so we are doing. Oh, and if you're not watching Development Palettes, like just get yeah. online, watch them. The reviews are great. They're all, uh, they're all sort of uh, commiserating with um, Surgeon because they must have recorded this like right after the Rogers in- injury, and he had his uh, Jets jersey on, and they were, you know. <laughs> Giving him some solidarity. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Pity. Oh yeah. So so if you haven't checked them out, check them out. I mean, I think they do. What Coop was saying, they do written reviews. They also have, uh, I think they podcast as well. Yeah, they have. Uh, uh, you could get the video audio, and you could subscribe to Podbean, and get the or Apple Podcast, and get the audio from them yeah. uh, on that. And, you know, I was really curious, like to see. Um, I a lot of times I'll wait to watch the reviews because until I smoked that cigar and I hadn't smoked mm. that one, but I got him at the zero, piqued my curiosity, and I'm like, well, what is Seth gonna do here? I and, and it was you know That's I didn't right. expect because I thought he might just destroy this the cigar, so it wasn't the case that I mean I've heard him destroy cigars. This wasn't destroyed. No, 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 no it no. was it was clear you know it was probably an anomaly. So. If you want a good Seth review, one that I still watch to this day. One of the greatest that reviews. Brings a smile to my face. That's the Sigabon review. The, Sig- the Sigabon. What are we doing Sig- here? You go, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, that's just the best review ever. That was his um, <laughs> And he, he unloaded on that guy, which was bad. I mean, I bought some of them because of the hype spot right into the hype. It was bad. It was bad. Um, and I said it was bad. And I, I spoke the torch. This four by seventies. Look at me. Um, <laughs> the torch was bad. So, so what are we smoking? We're smoking the blackened today because it's a bit of a. So this is this. If people don't know, the blackened was an M eighty one. This is the cigar that is the venture between Drew Estate, James Hatfield from Metallica, and the blackened uh, whiskey people. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. He's got the whiskey. Which I got you, it. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll want to review that. Oh, it's good. Um, now, Coop. So I'll just do this, and then I got a question about the whiskey. So I'll just do some quick things. So the eighty-one. That's when the band sort of formed. Yep. Which we'll talk about. Um, formed in uh, L.A., I believe. Um. And yeah, and it's it's just sort of come together. Uh, orig- the original release of it was just like bombarded and they're very hard to get now they're yep. sort of back out they're available in most sizes now i think drew estate underestimated how popular it was going to be and didn't really have enough ready yeah. to go yeah um but this should be a lot easier to find now so if you put that off you should be right by now yep. um i am smoking which i said was churchill's churchill size but cooper and i had a discussion beforehand 
what are they calling it? Like a double Corona Doble. Yeah. Which is seven by fifty. That's the term they've used on some of the other ones. But yeah, it's Corona Doble they're, they're doing. Which so is if you haven't looked at it here, it just looks like a beefy Churchill, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's this, what I would say. It's a beefy Churchill. But this is a size. I've tried this size before. I think this is the one that I like the most thus far in the line. Uh, and what do you got, Coop? Which one do you have? Um, I'm going with the Toro. I have not smoked that size. That's the one size I hadn't smoked, and I want to smoke your size. It's Corona Dole, but this is a 6x52. Um, and uh, it's, there's actually four sizes of this blend. Uh, in addition to the uh, Corona Doble. In the Toro, there's a 5x50 Robusto and a 5x43 Corona. But mm. this is a 6x52, so it's, it's a classic Toro size. Um, This big thing about this is it's loaded with Maduro tobacco. So mm-hmm. wrapper binder filler has it. Uh, you have a San Andreas Mexican wrapper, Connecticut Broadleaf binder, and Pennsylvania, Nicarag- Pennsylvania Broadleaf and Nicaraguan tobaccos in the filler. So you're getting a ton of, of Maduro in here um from this so uh was released late last year um so yeah that's uh we're gonna light these up i'm excited about it now i have a whiskey question for you coop which you may or may not know right so so the whiskey and the cigar were they released sort of around at the same time or was one before the other or the whiskey came out before the cigar yeah the whiskey came out like significantly uh, before the cigar and what happened, I think it came out before the pandemic and Mm. what happened is um, Rob Dietrich knew Jonathan Drew and he knew um, James Hetfield. So he kind of got the two together. They, and uh, they came up with the idea of let's, Hey, let's add a cigar into this lifestyle brand. So Jonathan got involved with it. And during the pandemic, uh, he had cigars sent up from Nicaragua, and they do a lot of sampling of it. So, but yeah, the whiskey's been out uh longer than the cigar for sure. And you have an interesting little uh trivia about the whiskey here. Yeah. Um. And we've had we've interviewed actually Rob Dietrich, who's the uh, the master distiller. Um. It was actually a guy by the uh, name of Dave Pickenall who actually did this, but he passed away, so Rob took over the master distilling things. Um, so this is the original black and whiskey and what they do is, and I'm not a whiskey expert here, but I do know, you know, they, they age this whiskey in barrels, but what they've done is they've imparted this, uh, this, this, um, process, um, where they actually, uh, when the whiskey is, uh, aging in the barrels, um, mm. they actually will play music. Uh, up against the barrel, right? And literally, what this music does is, is it kind of affects the 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 wood in terms of you know these sound waves will move the wood around, and as a result, that will affect how this is aging in the barrel. Um, one thing you'll see on the bottle. Let me see if I can hold this up here. Uh, you'll see that this says batch one thirty three. They actually play a different mm-hmm. playlist. Um, for each of these, when they do the, when they come out with a, when they do a batch of these whiskeys, they play a different playlist. And it's, of course, it's Metallica music they're playing there. Um, mm. and what, as a result, um, what I'll say is, um, they, uh, you know, it, you know, it kind of makes things a little, I'll say it's, it's, it makes this, it's supposed to like ch- change things. Um, I, 
I'm not an expert on sound waves or anything like that, but but that's what they're saying with it. Um, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes. There's actually you can go and see the batch playlists they've done. So they're on the website. They're they're uh they're where you can see the website and you can look at the Metallica songs they've done with it. Uh if you so choose. Um the cigars were not made like that though. In fact, I asked if they thought mm. about like doing that with the Palones, but they just they didn't think the process would work in in that case. Like like it would with the uh with the whiskey barrel, but um, like I said, there's a, a ton of playlists that are out there um, that you can go ahead and uh, see how they've done these blackened uh, whiskey uh, playlists. Uh, like I said, it's mostly Metallica music they're using there with it. So um, definitely check check it out. I would definitely check it out. But we'll put that link in the uh, show notes. So if you want to see the playlists out there, you, you can go ahead and do that. So... Uh, so yeah, so it's, so it's gonna be all Metallica today in honor of the, and we'll get some reports on the whiskey from Coop because, uh, I don't have it. Yeah, I wish I could get it. Sell it here. Yeah, and they have, by the way, this is their, this is their main whiskey, the blackened. Uh, but they, but they have like limited edition ones as well. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, I, I said, I'm not by any means a whiskey expert. I'm not claiming to be a whiskey expert. I do drink whiskey from time to time. This is a very good whiskey. This is a very, it's a very okay. approachable whiskey. It's got that caramely kind of sweetness to it, which I, which I tend to like. So, uh, and it pairs well with the cigar. And I'm not, you know, I think, th- I think a lot is, I think some of the pairings are a little overdrawn. And some of my, mm. some of the Coop teammates are not going to like me saying that, but um, I do think they're overblown sometimes. But you know what? I, I can smoke and drink this and enjoy it. So nice. So we're gonna, we'll get into a bit of a bit of early thoughts on Metallica here as I like Coop light his up. Yep. Um. So I love early Metallica. So basically, for me, my Metallica love goes from you know their their you know their initial start in '81, um, up to kind of I tap out. At the uh, at the black album, so yeah, I go kind of. You did, yeah. I after the black album, Coop, they make some really bad decisions. So you get Lulu with Lou Reed, which was just a disaster record. Like if we ever do disaster records, that record is on it. That's I I did I did not include I did not include Lulu on my list. Thank God for that. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So that's a disaster. I I just don't really get into their newer stuff. They kind of lose their way a bit. They put out a record this year, um, which I have listened to, but I don't know. I mean, it's the issue we'll get into with one of the songs in the new music. It's sort of like, well, this record's okay, but when you have, you know, five records that are you know, leagues better. Like, why wouldn't I just listen to those? Um, so, so I guess for me, it's almost that early stuff is so good. It's like, well, why would I go to this other stuff uh, with this early stuff? But I really get, I really love the early stuff. I mean, I think they're one of the bands that define metal. So if you want to throw them alongside Iron Maiden and maybe Megadeth, which is interesting when you look at Dave Mustaine. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about Dave Mustaine. Yeah. 
We're going to talk a bit about Dave Mustaine, um, who they gave him a bus ticket coupe. They're like, here's your bus ticket. See you later. Uh, yeah, but they him out. Yep. They kicked him out. Kicked him out of the band. I think, I think this as the story goes, because he was like, you know, getting getting too high and missing rehearsals and, you know. Yeah. And I think in the in the passive aggressive way, they didn't tell him that he was out of the band. They're on tour or something. And they're like, they just gave him a bus to get home and said, like, see you later. Uh, and then he forms Megadeth. Uh, which never lives up to the heights of Metallica. I mean, I would probably say, if you're looking at 80s metal, they're probably the biggest band to come out of that era. Um, but along with Megadeth and Iron Maiden, and you could even argue, like, um, you know, some other, like King Diamond, some other bands in there, in like the late 70s, early 80s, like Juice Priest, of course, uh, that these bands all defined metal moving forward and kind of, even metal now is you're either kind of throwing back to that time or you are doing some sort of metal that's taking a different spin on that time. Yep. So they really sort of set the foundation. Um, and I think Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets are those two of the best metal band albums ever made. Those two? Yeah. Um, are incredible. So, yeah. So I like a lot. I get, I get really into early Metallica. Uh, and they've been a big part of my musical life. Um, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on Metallica in general, Coop? Like, have you had a lot of uh, exposure to them? Were you a metal guy when they came out? Did, did they kind of pass you by and you came into them later? Like, what was your sort of sort of vibe there? Yeah, I came into them much later, um, to be honest with you. Um, I was not a big you know, Metallica fan at all. Um, and a lot of it had to do with their their start is that thrash rock, which is not really my cup of tea. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of how that started. Um, but actually, um, I really got into them uh, because of the two bassists, the, the first two bass players, um, Cliff Burton and Jason Newstead, uh, who are great bass players. Um, and Cliff Burton uh, was their first bass player. He died. Um, actually, he was their second. They had another guy they kicked out of the band beforehand. But Cliff Burton died in a bus crash like in Sweden in like 86. Mm. Jason Newstead came over. He took over. Uh, then he left the band in like 2002. And Robert Trujillo took over. And I don't think he was at, I don't think he was at the level of Burton and Newstead. Uh, no. So kind of, you know, liking the bass, I kind of started to get into them a lot more. But it was much, much later when I got when I got into them um, as far as that goes. Um, and I take a little bit of a different approach from you, Dave, than, um, than you did. Uh, I do believe that Metallica through the Jason Newstead era, um, did pretty well. I mean, I would agree because I like some, There, here's the thing. I think, and we'll get into it. I think there was a sound that they did well in the eighties. I think as any band evolves, they try to change their sound in, in the nineties. But I think in the, in the case of the nineties, some of it worked. And some of it did not work. It there was, you know, and and that's that's just the case. I have a I, I have a weird song I picked from the, the for the playlist today, from the uh, seventh album Reload, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you, you know, I I kind of thought this one worked, but it was nothing like Metallica. But I think Metallica, you could probably say like, most people fall into the boat you do. The Black Album was kind of it. 
you know, I mean, mm. but they had such a, they had such a very, uh, what's what they just had a really good run in, in the eighties there. Mm. Here's the other thing that I'm going to say. Metallica was really known, especially in the eighties for long tracks. Like yep. for a heavy metal band, they would play, they would, they were not afraid to come out with a seven or eight minute track. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'll talk a little bit, but I think they had a little bit of a progressive rock influence from that. Um, yeah. Which I think in the 90s, that started to change. Uh, they they went to more four to five minute tracks, it seemed like. But they weren't afraid to do that. And I, and I, and I like that as well. Um, so I think that that was important. And then you, we mentioned Dave Mustaine. Yes. I mean, so Dave Mustaine came Dave Mustaine was from Megadeth, right? One thing I really learned about, like going, to, and I did not know a lot of this going back when until I went to this exercise, that Dave Mustaine, who met, I didn't realize what a big influence Megadeth was on this band. I, I did not realize that really a lot of the early music was Dave Mustaine coming over there, and they were reworking some stuff he had. And I think what happened is Metallica before they came out their first album was playing Megadeth stuff. Well, I mean, Megadeth essentially when they when they boot Mustaine, yeah. Um, which I think I think he's actually on maybe one track. Uh, on Kill 'Em All, I think he may have. He, no, he has one on the second. Al- he has one on on the Ride the Lightning album. I'll talk about. Okay. Uh he's credited with some anyway. Actually, I'm not talking about. It. I think you talk about that one actually. Uh, well, he gets hunted. So yep. see you later. See you later. Thank you, but no thank. Uh, um, and they bring in Kurt and, Hammett. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, I'll show you. And then he makes Megadeth. And, I mean, Megadeth, they had a long career. I mean, they might even still. I mean, they put making music forever. So, but it never really rose to the heights of Metallica, I would say. Um, but a lot of those bands, Megadeth, Metallica, because that reforms Megadeth. It's a lot of you know his stuff, obviously. Um, but like hit like them, Iron Maiden, they kind of harken back to those like King Diamond, like Rainbow, which is a seventies metal band that had a very prog sort of feel to them. Coop, which your point is very. Well made the sort of like early metal is this combination of like Judas Priest and like Prague in a way. Like I mean I mean Iron Maiden has Seventh Son, which is like what, like eight minute track or something? Yeah, like it's they huge. Um so they have these sort of like operatic, really proggy kind of longer tracks. Um and then but they also like at the same time, like with Metallica, another band that I'll talk about too that was around at the same time was anthrax. And so they have this like really thrashy, like high octane metal as well. So they kind of do a number of different. Yeah. Things. It was the big four. They, they said it was Metallica, Megadeth, anthrax and Slayer. And yes. oh, if you, Slayer. Talk, if you talk to like some real heavy metal gurus, right. They will tell you the thrash metal sound is like what they call the pure. It's like the pure heavy metal sound. They they would consider, and I think I would put Queen's rights into that category to some extent, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, these guys would have, but these four bands were really that 
high energy, that that aggressive tempo, mm. that that you know that's that's what the you know the tempos on some of these tracks by Metallica, particularly in the eighties, were just unbelievable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. So let's get let's get into it, Coop. And we each did about eight songs. We did eight songs. Yeah, I picked one from the first eight albums. First, I went through the first eight albums. I picked one from each. You oh, went a little different. You. Yeah, I jump around. I try and get a couple deep cuts in there as well. Um, let's kick, kick us off. Kick us off with the debut album, "Kill 'Em All" from nineteen eighty three. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I picked um the track I picked off this one, um was the second track off the uh the Kill 'Em All album. Uh, and that song is, oh, sorry about that, of uh, The Four Horsemen, mm. uh, which I thought was, was, was pretty cool to do that. Uh, The Four Horsemen, uh, what I like, this is again, um, what I'll say is this was covered, like, this came over from uh, Dave Mustaine, so it actually mm. was derived from a Megadeth song called Mechanics, right? And this was one of these songs that Metallica was performing live before their first album, and Dave was with the band. But he got kicked out. Um, and uh, the interesting thing is uh, the original version of this song had lyrics about having a sex at a gas station, right? Hey, there uh, you go. Right. Uh, but Mustaine said as they worked the song, the, the bridge that's in this song, that iconic bridge, is, is inspired by the riff of, of... And I can see this when you listen to it. Leonard Skinner's uh, Sweet Home Alabama. Okay. So I could definitely see that part in there, which I thought was interesting mm-hmm. um, as far as that goes. Uh, but eventually, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, the song was reworked. And I think it really has that that classic, um, what's the word I'm going to go, that, Meta- that vintage Metallica sound is what I'll just mm. say to it. Um, and this is a, by the way, this is the longest track off the album, yeah. uh, which is seven minutes and, and 13 seconds, right? So uh, I think there's a bonus track that's longer, but, but we're not going to count the bonus tracks here because it makes it confusing. So. Uh, you know, so the four horsemen, and, and in fact, four horsemen, uh, Mustaine is credited as a songwriter, uh, but obviously, uh, James Hetfield and Lars, Lars Ulrich, uh, play a key role in that track as well. So it's a great track. Um, like I said, if you want that high energy type of track, uh, especially, it's a great second track off an album too. Uh, mm. so I, I think you're, I think Dave, you're going to at some point cover the first track, if I'm not mistaken. I, I do. Yes. Yeah, so my first, uh, so, my yeah, first one here. Yeah. yeah. From that album. Which the album again oh, is "Kill 'Em All." Kill 'Em All, great, uh, great album art. Yeah, uh, very metal album art. So we, I got "Hit the Lights," which is the uh, off the debut album. It's the first track. I mean, it sort of kicks it off. Yep. Um. So this, this, this is where it all began. Um. For this California metal group, Coop. Yep, a little, a little, a little metal band trying to, you know, trying to make their way in the world. From I think L.A. mostly. Yeah, um, they they are definitely a, a West Coast band. They uh, this is their debut. It's in '83. They formed before that, obviously. Like you know, we're smoking the '81. I mean, right. the M81. Um, but they put this out. Very iconic, uh, sort of, you know percussion and guitar which they're going to really I mean I think that the, the kind of key Metallica sound is just taking that crunchy guitar and that thrash drum and just cranking it up as high as they can um, in a lot of these 
tracks is just like the thrash in it is so hard. Uh, very hard song, very hard record. Uh, great record. Uh, this is the beginning of the end of Dave Mustaine, who will be given a bus ticket and replaced by Kirk Hammett, which we've talked about. Um, he goes on to make Megadeth. Metallica goes on to make a ton of money and a cigar. Um, I don't even know. I don't think. I don't think. I don't well, think he's mended that bridge. Have they? No, they have. He was so he was with Megadeth. He was kicked out before Metallica, and then he somehow got back in. I don't know if he was kicked out a second time or not. But have they? So have they mended the uh, the bridge of of getting me in the boot? Oh uh, no, I think they did. But they may have had another falling out. That's a good question. Because he oh. was not, uh, he held on there for a while. Yeah, he, uh, well, he had actually, uh, oh, no, I'm wrong. You're right, Dave. I'm sorry. He was, uh, he was, um, Megadeth formed after that. You're right. Give him the boot. Yeah, but he's had, you know, he's had all his sort, he's had all sorts of problems with that. Yeah, he's had, anyway, so they got rid of him. Uh, but you, but like Coop said, you'll find, Songs in these first two records, which is Kill 'em All and Ride the Lightning, that may have him credited. So I think he does bass on a couple. He's got songwriting credits on. He's even got songwriting credits on a few of these. Yeah, I think he actually has bass on a couple, but I don't yeah. know which songs they are off the top of my head. So, um, so my yeah. song, the one he was doing, I thought it was a Megadeth song. I guess I, I don't know how that. Yeah. That whole thing was it? I think I what know. he did was that like he just took a lot of songs that he and then just made a Megadeth songs, right? So because the, the Four Horsemen was based on Mechanics, um, okay, it came out later. That's what happened. The Mechanics yeah. came out later, not beforehand, because Mechanics yeah. is how this is all all based off of. So he, I, I mean, because they they boot him and then he, you know, yep. So I had that wrong. I had that one wrong. So apologies for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, so hey, Dave, but he Dave brought but he brought mechanics with him is the original thing, and then eventually it made it. Yeah. That version made it on the on the Megadeth's debut album. Yeah. So let's see, because let's see when they're, because they put albums out for a, a while. Um. Yeah. So if you look, if we're looking at. Megadeth records here. When's their when's their debut album? I think eighty five. Yep. So after after Ride the Lightning, even yeah. But but, but yeah. I mean they would have been recorded at roughly the same time. Yeah. But Four Horsemen. Yeah. He had I guess he had the demo tape for uh, mm. what was what would become Mechanics. He brought it in there. Then he was kicked. I'm looking at it. he was kicked out of the band. And when he was kicked out of the band, he said. You can't use my songs, and they basically said, "After you, we, we're using the songs <laughs> anyway." The, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So Mustaine's gone. We got Hammond in. Uh, we're gonna have another uh, change in the band yep. soon. Yeah. Um, but before we change the band, we got the next album, which is an incredible album. You got an amazing track. This is the first track off of this album, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it is the uh, it is the first track off of uh, the the album is um I just lost my train of thought. The album is Ride the Lightning. Yes, uh, and the opening track off that album is uh, 
it's not the opening track. It's, it was the first single release. It's for whom the bell okay. falls. Oh, um, so you know, this is where I look at like, like um, Metallica. There's a lot of depth to this band, right? And sometimes that gets lost. And I'm talking on the songwriting end of things because apparently this was inspired by an Ernest Hemingway uh, novel, um, yeah. uh, of of the same name, and uh, it was dealing with uh, like, and, it, and it's basically in that novel. It's uh, they talk about uh, the Spanish Civil War, and you know this is about you know things that happened uh, in there. In fact, there are uh, there are some references to a scene in chapter 27 of that book where five soldiers are obliterated during an airstrike uh, when they were taking a defensive uh, position on a hill. So this is where I said this song very much had a progressive vibe for me. Okay, it, it to me this was just something out of a page of Rush or something like that, even though it was. But it was a thrash metal song, is what I'm gonna kind of get. Mm, but it just—it's mm, mm. a long song. Um, I think this song's another. Uh, I want to say this song is six minutes and thirty-seven seconds. So it's a—it's a. Uh, no, it's five minutes and eleven seconds. So so it's, it's a slightly longer song. Um, but uh, it's nonetheless, I feel this progressive vibe. But when you listen to those guitar riffs, it's just incredible in this song. Oh, yeah. Uh, is an amazing song. It's a throwback to 70s metal with Black Sabbath. It was. For those Black Sabbath fans will know that the title track, Black Sabbath, off of their debut record, has church bells that start the track off, uh, much like For Whom the Bell Tolls. Like I said, this is, is a deep, this is a deep song. For, deep song. Uh, Lots of uh, throwbacks to, to uh, metal forebears and yeah. stuff like that lots of easter eggs for people and that, if you're buying this record in 84 you're definitely connecting that with black sabbath because you would have been a definite black sabbath fan and there is a bell um, sound in this song uh, and that's like uh, lars orwick actually is uh, striking an anvil with a metal hammer to do that right uh you have that distorted bass that starts oh, yeah. out that song it, it, it's a re- like I said, really good song but to me it had this progressive vibe because of the story behind it. And like I said, it still was five minutes. It wasn't a short track, but you know, again, I, I kind of looked at it like that. And you know, this is just like, this is one of the epic songs I think from, you know, in their, in their portfolio. Mm. No, very epic song. Um, I have my, uh, I don't get into that album yet. And that album will have some very sort of, they're very, I mean, Metallica in a lot of ways is very theatrical, which gets to your sort of prog, thing they're coop there's they're a very sort of theatrical band like with the but the yeah so we'll get that's why i go back to this progr- i think there was a progressive influence that doesn't get talked about a lot that's why i keep going back that theatrical thing is you know rooted in progressive rock even though the no, sound totally is agree. thrash metal yeah. yeah 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 no it's i totally agree i, I have a now i kind of go out of order here i have the song helpless which is on the Garage Days re-revisited, which is an EP from '87. Yeah. Which I had on cassette, and it was a lot of uh, a lot of um, covers and stuff where they cover a band called Diamond Head, uh, uh, which they cover a couple times. And I listen to Diamond Head, I'm like, I'm missing it. But they they love they love Diamond Head. Um, and this is a song. So this is a bunch of they do this a couple times. Uh, they have these sort of cover uh, albums. Garage Days re-revisited EP is sort of 
it's very deep cut for Metallica. It's one like a lot of fans would have. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Uh, they got now, now. This is when this is the first record with Jason Newstead. Yep. So he comes in on this EP because, like Coop was saying, Cliff Burton died in '86. So we have Newstead here in '87 uh, on the EP, and th- that's his sort of like first recorded. Yeah. Uh, introduction to the band. He had a, he had a nice run CP. with the band too, about fifteen years. So yeah, oh yeah, and I think a lot of people kind of just regard him as like you know, like the Metallica basis now. I mean, even though he's not, I mean, a lot of people would, would think of the that core band of Newstead, Hatfield, and and stuff is sort of um all rich and things. It's sort of like the the key, the key players. Um. But yeah, so this is his first recorded. It comes in on this EP, and it's a bit of a deeper cut. So I thought I'd throw it in there. Helpless, which is a great song. Great song, yeah. And and you're looking at the dates here. Like we got eighty three is Kill 'Em All. Coop talked about Ride the Lightning, which is eighty four. They throw this EP out in eighty seven, and you're gonna your next track is off of Master of Puppets, which is eighty six. So they're they're putting albums out at a pretty good clip. Yeah, a healthy there, clip, not not too much. One I mean, two compared years. to nowadays, you go like four years <laughs> between records or something. Yeah, they went one to two years, which is I think healthy. Mm. Oh, they slowed um, down a bit. I think a little in the nineties, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, in the nineties it does. Yeah, but you got your next track, which is probably regarded as one of the best metal tracks of all time, is uh, off of an incredible record. And uh, this is this is uh, this is it right here. Yeah, it's uh the album's Master of Puppets. The song is Master mm. of Puppets, and a album that almost won Battle of the Bands this year. It did. Uh, it, it it was a it came out of like it was a little. I want to say it came out of nowhere, but in reality, maybe it shouldn't have come out of nowhere. Surgeon had it as like an, a late pick and an eight seed, but uh, it it came very close to beating Prince uh, in there. Mm. So uh, yeah, um, and this is a absolute again. Eight minutes and thirty six second track. Uh, I Bigger love track. the intro to this song. Uh, it is one of the it is a. It, I think this may be one of their fastest tempo songs, if not the fastest one. Even though there's a slowdown in the middle of the song, I think I saw something that there was someone doing uh, calculations on what's the fastest average pace of a metallic. Oh, okay, right. And I think this one still won it, right? Um. And the song's about drugs, according to James Hetfield, right? Mm. Uh, it's about drugs. Uh, it's about drugs controlling you. So, uh, mm. which kind of fits into the whole master of puppet thing in, in a way. So, yeah. Um, I, look, this is a great track at eight minutes and thirty six seconds. Uh, I don't hear anyone complaining. It's too long. Uh, but to me, yeah, this was uh, a fantastic. I was. I thought you were gonna pick this one for sure. So I was glad to see it was out there. Uh, yeah. Pick. So yeah, I, I. What can you say? This is, you know, these songs that would be, I've been talking about. The first three, I've still been very much. This is thrash metal we're in, right? So I want to make that clear that, that I've been talking about this progressive influence, but make no bones about this is thrash metal. This is pure thrash metal here, and and I think this album is the breakthrough album from Metallica. I think people would say, like they were known, they were on pe- certain people's radar, but. This one kind of solidified them as players in, 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 in the music business. 
Oh, it's it's this album. Like I said, it's it's the uh, it's one of the second best. I mean, this and the next and the next album and, and uh, by the lightning you're talking about are two of the best metal albums ever. Yeah, I mean, I got another one. I got oh, I just yeah, I love it. So I I got I got to get into my favorite album here, which is Ride the Lightning, and I picked the title track off of that Ride the which, Lightning. Which, by the way. Just so you know, with that track, uh, it is a Dave Mustaine credited song. Ride the Lightning. Yes. Oh, yes. such a good track. So it's still credited to Dave. So it's probably something that he brought over that they just pushed out to the next episode. But they did give him a songwriting credit on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they have to. Um, you know, they probably didn't want to. No, so well, they told him not to, it. and he did. they did it anyway, so... Yeah, well, I don't know why he didn't sue him, but yeah, I don't. Maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe because they, they probably cut him a check. I would yeah. imagine. Uh, cutting people a check avoids a lot of things, Coop. Um, oh yeah, good. But ride the lightning. Money talks. One of the best. Yeah, money talks. One of the best metal albums ever. This is the title track. I love this track. This is a follow up to the '84 Kill 'Em All. So pretty good follow up. Uh, and it's just so good. I just, I love this track. I love this album. Ride the Lightning. Uh, I think it has everything. So you gotta, you got these more thrashy songs. Like Ride the Lightning. You had what Coop was saying, which is more proggy. Yeah. Um, For Whom the Bell Tolls. And then we'll get into another track later. So the album kind of has everything. It's probably... I would say for a second record, they're really expanding their sound. Um, yeah. Which they'll, I mean, sort of the seeds that are in Ride the Lightning, they'll just turn up to 11 on the Black album. Uh, but but I, think we'll there was a big, I think there was a big, I think there was a fundamental change we'll talk about on the Black album, though. So, yes. I mean, I there's a big the first change. four albums were like every one of those opening tracks were thrash metal tracks, and then it changes on yes. a Black album. Yeah. But but they take a lot of you look at Light of the Lightning and the, there's a couple a couple seeds planted there that they'll, yeah. they'll flourish you later know, on. But I really think Ride the Lightning built that core following. Yes. At, oh yeah. The stage for Master of Puppets. And I think yeah. enough people now had heard of these guys during Ride the Lightning when, when Master of Puppets comes out, that's the breakthrough album for them. Yes. Yeah. Um Oh yeah, I agree. But but you know, we, remember we were doing the three albums in a row? I mean, you could argue "Ride the Lightning" um, and, and "Justice for uh, Master Puppets" and "Justice for All" and the Black Album oh, the before, Black Album or Four Street, yeah. yeah. So that was a I very... mean, they do what's it? Which you don't see a lot. I mean, you don't really. Maybe Harry has done this. I mean, Taylor Swift has sort of done this, but like their 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 albums come out and they're 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 they don't have a they kind of peak at the black album, but like the, the, the audience is just like growing and growing and growing and it's just rolling over. Um, so we got ride the lightning and then Coop is going to talk about this next album. The fourth album, this album has some of the biggest hits off it. And really this is when, this is when the audience uh, really ex- starts to, you know, explode is, yeah. is, uh, is this record. So you got the, I'll let you get your next track. Yeah. Um, 
and it's the album's Injustice for All. And the song I had to pick this song is Black. You had to. I had, had to pick to. Black. And I was like, great oh, track. Yeah, it's yeah. a great track. Um, and, and it's such an. I think this was a very innovative kind of track here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's again, it's got like that intro is weird. Uh, yeah, it's like eerie. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, it's got this like uh, I think it's, I saw it as like a reverse riff almost, but then it gets into that that. Heavy Metallica guitar that that you know of, uh, and then it kind of is a bit of a slowdown, if you want to call it, uh, more rhythmic. Uh, it's more of a rhythmic yeah. sound that goes with, and then Kurt Hammack and goes crazy with another um, um, fast solo. Blackened was the opening track, and and this is what I was saying: the first four albums, the trash metal was o- opened each of those first four albums. Uh, they went with a trash metal sound, which I thought yeah. was in. Uh, but this is a this is a I can see why you know, uh, this is a great track. I I mean again you go into I think Injustice mm. for All sometimes gets a little lost in the mainstream world as an album mm. because of Master of Puppets and, and the Black album it's sandwiched in between. But it's a great album. I mean it's a great album. Oh yeah, I mean, at the time, Injustice for All was a pretty big record. Um. Like when it was released, but I, but I think yeah, like you said, post release it kind of gets lost. Um, looking back at the stuff now, but yeah, it it was a huge record, and I'll I'll talk about that later with one of their bigger tracks. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it was a very big record at the time. Like I remember when it came out, um, it, a lot of people got it and were really excited about it. Um, it, it was, but I think for people who caught on the Metallica later on. They think a master puppet in the yeah. black album, and I think this one sometimes gets a little. Um, oh yeah, they miss it. Yeah, and and by the way, th- th- you think you you alluded to this? This was the first full album, not because it was an EP in between that with with, mm-hmm. with Jason Newstead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is because we had see. So, so if you're following along here, you have Master Puppets in '86, then '87 they put out this EP, which is Jason Newstead's first introduction to the band but like Coop said that his first album he was on is when you go to 88 and you're on Injustice for All yeah so that so and then he's with the band for a very long time um yep so the next track I have another track off of um off of uh Ride the Lightning it's a great which one. is Fade to Black this is a great track. It is a phenomenal track. Now, it was the lead single, and it's probably, this is might be a hot take musically, and metal people might be going crazy when I say this, but I think it's the biggest power ballad kind of of all time, and the biggest power ballad for the band. So we're going to see, so a lot, when I say it's Seeds of Ride the Lightning are going to come up in the Black album, and come up in later albums is you have Coop was sort of saying this too. You go have this really hard thrash, but then fade to black. You have this massive power ballad, which the power ballad is going to show up in like huge hits uh, in both the Injustice for All record and on the black record. And yeah. it kind of starts with this fade to black. Yeah. 
you know, that's a Fade to Black's a really interesting song. It, 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 there's references to suicide, but from what oh, I understand, yeah. Hatfield wrote this because the band's equipment was stolen and he was just like totally despondent over it. <laughs> he was. Now, I saw yeah. an interview with him. So, okay. So, there's lots of talk about death and suicide in the, letter, yeah. in the lyrics yeah. of Fade to Black. Yeah. Lots. Um, and yes, it was written, they had their stuff stolen. But also, like Lars said that at the time the band itself was just obsessed with death mm -hmm. like lyrics about death song about death for whom the bell tolls you have this you have and just for all another track i'll get to which is about you know death essentially uh or you know wanting to die and they're just obsessed with death and so like everything sort of lyrically falls into death somehow yep. Um, I love the vocals on this track, Coop. I adore the vocals on this track. It, it's 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 really 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 good. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, and if you listen to like, and I've heard this talked about, and this is not something I figured out on my own, but I heard I, I saw it written. Um, the the chord progressions are very similar to Freebird by Leonard Skinner, which again you see that Leonard Skinner influence from time to time. Yep. That's something. That's not something I was smart enough to pick up on my own. But when I, I heard it and listened to it, yeah. Oh yeah, and and Fade to Black. It's such a great now. Like I said, which we're gonna talk to as we get into these other records. It sort of lays the the foundation for like really, like killer power ballads. Yeah, that they're gonna put out. Um. So you 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 jump right into the big one. Yeah. Which I don't, I can't remember how this album did in our '91. I think Nirvana just killed everything. But I think uh, made the, okay. it, it made the final four and lost to lost to Nirvana in the final four matchup. And that that's the uh, that's the Black album, the one that really breaks the band hard. It's the best. It's their best selling. It's the best selling album of the '90s, actually, of any band. Um, and uh, big change. This is the Black album without big change with this album. You don't get a thrash song as the opening track. Uh, the, nope. the track I'm going to talk about is the opening track. It's Enter Sandman, which is not anything like a thrash metal song, in my opinion. Nope. Uh, it has the darkness that I would expect from a Metallica song. Uh, it deals with nightmares of a child, right? So it's a, um, but it's it's a, it's definitely a more refined sound that you're going to hear with this. Um, it's it's a, it's a heavy sound, but it's refined, is what I'm going to say. Um, and you know, this song, it, it became, it's best known. It, it became Mariano Rivera's theme song coming out of the bullpen. Mm. And, you know, again, that's not something, uh, you would think of, uh, someone, you know, like Mariano Rivera, um, you know, as, as someone with a metallic, but he, he embraced this song a lot. Um, you know, he definitely, uh, you know, he, you know, he embraced it. You know, he's from Panama, right? So you, you wouldn't think a Panamanian guy would have, uh, you know, any interest in, in Metallica, but he embraced it. The band embraced it. I think, I think the brand, the band came on his farewell tour as well. Right. So, I mean, a song like that, it, it's transcended, you know, metal. It, it, it's transcended music. It's, mm -hmm. it's hit the mainstream in this way. It It's sort of, it's this move now, now. It's a move that will divide fans forever. Yeah. 
it's a big change. This whole album was a big change in their direction. Um, I got and, this. And Dave, I want to talk when we get to the wrap up. I want to uh, come back to that point again with a couple. Now, of, they, they did, you know, like I said they were known for this for the '80s sound, and they got into the '90s and they changed their sound quite a bit. Oh yeah, so I love this record. I love it when I got it. I listen to it all the time. Um, when I bought it, and it's sort of, it's sort of like their version of what's the story morning glory in a way. So what's the story morning glory from Oasis? Why I'm comparing Oasis to Metallica is that what's the story morning glory comes out. It's their biggest record, you know, Oasis biggest record by far, yeah. but it also is the beginning of the end for the band. Like the band through recording that record, like kind of implodes. Um, similarly to Metallica, the Black Album was the biggest record and really broke the mainstream. They kind of have this metal punk sort of grungy sound, which plays really well. But also in making this record, it exposes a lot of cracks in the band. And the band, I mean, they pull themselves together, but the band starts to implode off of this record. Yeah, it, it does. It, it's, you know... The Black Album, I know you and I were talking about, like, we're gonna, I think we have the show plan. We're going to do songs or something that made a career, you know, yeah. or, or yeah. basically associate. Like, this was hard to top, okay? And and like I said, we just had four big albums in a row. And this one was hard to top, but when you make, when you, they made a change in sound. And um, sometimes whether they should have made that change or not, it's hard to tell. But, you know, they yep. made the change. They made they felt creatively. They had to make the change sometimes. Um, you know, I, I don't think they. But the, the interesting thing about Black Album is I think that kind of slowly built momentum in the 90s. You know, I mean, it, it mm. kind of the sales just kept coming on that album. It wasn't, you know, I don't consider it like the big epic, like they like, epic album. It, it just steadily built up. Such a good album. Um but I guess that's the thing. Like the band starts to have cracks off of this record and just kind of falls off. Well, not falls off. I mean, because they still put out records and they still are very, you know, well known and like sell a lot. But it's just that the band itself you know, starts to show cracks, starts to kind of falter a bit Yep. Um, after that record. But we will get to that record because it has a ton of amazing uh, tracks on it that are going to, you know, shape uh, shape the band, really. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so... Okay, so I'm I'm going back in time though. I'm going back to '86, back yep. to Master of Puppets. That's a great one. And I pick Damage Incorporated. Deeper which, track. It's a deeper track. Deeper track. Yeah. Deeper track. But why I picked it is that it's not the big song off the record, which which I left for Coop, that that hanging fruit, which is Master of Puppets. However. It's this. It's the band really embracing that thrash sound, and 
like I said, a, a contemporary of the band. So a band that they're probably listening to as they were recording, as they were, you know, on the road doing their thing and everything is Anthrax. Yeah. And this is a very sort of embracing that Anthrax type thrash that that band would get known for. And the two are contemporary, so you can sort of see how like one was influencing the other and they're yeah. trying to like, you know, really embrace that sort of thrash sound on Damage Incorporated. Which is why I picked it. Yep. Yeah, it's a great deep track, track. Deeper track. It's deep like track. the end of the album, I think. One of the last couple tracks. It's it's towards the end. Um on in fact, I um I didn't know if it was or not a um I thought it was a pos I thought it might have been a bonus track, but I was wrong on that one originally. Um it, it was on the um Master of Puppets album. Uh yep. which uh yeah, so it is it's yeah, it's the not the bonus track. It's the last track of the original tracks. Yeah. Uh love that track though. Yeah, very good track. track. Yep. Yeah, good work by uh, by Cliff Barton on that, that track too. Oh yeah. Now you well you and it's interesting, Coop, to think about how like Anthrax and Metallica, they're like it's their contemporary, so they're putting out stuff and listening to each other, you know. I mean they, they were interesting. They were like, you know, this this coalition of the thrash metal, you know, much like, you know, I think in the in the 60s, you had that, you know, you had that psychedelic sound, with, you know, going on with certain bands. You know, I think these guys were were the trash, the thrash metal Mount Rushmore. Or I don't know what you mm. want to call it. The four horse. I mean, four horsemen is pretty good word for it, actually. But then, like you said, you throw Slayer in there and just like, man, Slayer is probably is the a... uh, underrated of the four. Ooh, yeah, that yeah. is a yeah. Got some good metal coming out, man. Um, now, thankfully for for you all listeners, Coop picks up the torch and the mantle for for post ninety one yeah. Metallica. Um, and yeah. you're going, you're going, and you're going uh, further in their career here. Yeah, I'm going a little further because I wanted to just kind of. I think we should have touched. We, I thought we should just touch on it, but I did pick a song I like. Okay, I be, I picked songs that I did like. So we're on the black album was their fifth album. Then they they go into the studio. There's like a long. They have a longer break this time. This is a five year break they have. Yeah. And they they start compiling music, and they I think the plan was originally they were going to release a double album, but they felt the double album was going to be too thin, so they ultimately decided to release two albums back to back. Uh, so Mama, I mean, excuse me, Load was the first one. Uh, that was released in '96, and Reload was released in '97. The song I picked was "Mama Said," right? This is like completely like like they've done power ballads before, but this power ballad, I I, mm. I again, I'm trying to find the positives here. It <laughs> incorporates so many different styles. Like it had country and blues sound mm. to it, right? Look, this was not gonna make. The, the thrash metal fans happy at this point, okay? And I get no. it, all right? Uh, but I do think it kind of, lyrically, it was still a good song. It's about, you know, uh, a man who's trying to find his way uh, in life uh, away from his mother. Um, and it was a Hetfield-inspired song in that he uh, he had a difficult relationship with his mother, and she, and, and she died when he was 16. Mm. So I, I mm. thought there was good lyrics. I like how they did play around with this country and blues type of vibe that this song had. 
Uh, and I was, I'm, I'm okay with. It. I'm not saying. I think Load is probably one of their weakest albums. It was definitely the weakest album to date. Mm, but yeah. I, 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 but this song is a good song. Um, it's just different. It's not what you've gotten from Metallica in the '80s, even with the power ballads they were doing there, which were, which were heavier. They were heavier. They were darker. Uh, it was darker in terms of sound. Um, uh, and like mm. I said, this was, this was, yeah, this was probably, uh, like I said, this was just different. And, I had no problem with them. It, I think it worked with this song. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, once that, that 91 album, the black album took so much out of the band. Like you said, they got this five year hiatus. We're up to that point there every like one or two years. Um, and they just, I don't know, they're, they're sort of lost their way a bit, and they're trying to find what their sound was going to be as a band. That uh, happens to some bands. I think when you take five years off mm-hmm. out of the studio, it's a, it's a, now, Tears for Fears has been able to do it, right? But they're one of the, I think the other way around, when you take these long hiatuses, and then what happens is the industry starts changing, the sound, the sound from 91 and the sound from 96 is very yeah. different. The music yep. business, we, we've talked about 91 being a big transformational year in the music business. And, you know, now now grunge was starting to take over. Uh, you know, we were getting to the end of top 40, you know, at this point. So it was very different right now. And they had to try to find their way in the new landscape uh, on this. And I think it was tough for them. I don't think, you know, but I, I think they had such a strong portfolio at that point that they, they could withstand this now for the rest of their career. And still they could still play music for the rest of their career and, and be A-listers forever. Yeah, um, no, it was uh, it's uh, it, yeah, and we'll talk about. I mean, and then you get to the other records. I think that your last song there is probably when they start to kind of, I think, get back to like some sort of closer to to their sound. Yeah, um, I agree. But then it, it, things have changed a lot at that point too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh. I go power ballads. I'm just power ballad heavy in this bottom part here. I have one, uh, which is off of Ed Justice for All. This is probably their biggest track off that record. It's about a World War One soldier who can't speak, has no limbs, and is in constant pain, but can't tell anyone and just like wishes for death. I think this is based off of a short story, I believe, uh, and also uh, a movie, I think, as well. Uh, you know, just just your, just some great, some very uplifting subject matter. Um, it's probably one of the most famous power ballads of all time. I mean, the the song itself probably has like what is it? You know, like hundreds of millions of 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 downloads. I had this on a. Uh, remember those CD singles, Coop? Where yeah. The CD was like you know the size of a. Of a of a you, you put poster. it in like adapters a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. They were, I yeah. had it on that. Um and an interesting sort of like you know, music y thing. And so this so this song moves time. So it's very long. I mean, I think it's what, seven, eight minutes this song? It is very long. Um and it moves from four four to three four and even two four time throughout the song, which Four four and two four sound roughly the same, really. It's just that the stress is on different beats. 
So if you're into that sort of thing, um, it kind of goes these different time signatures. And it's a very complex song, uh, but it, it's it's them taking Fade to Black, this power ballad, and really amping up what a power ballad can be and really sort of ramping up the whole power ballad sound even yeah. further in yeah. this track. I agree. Which was a huge track for them. Um, and we're going to see this track pay off again in the Black Album with another power ballad that kind of like breaks the the musical industry as well. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, but I will I will turn it back to you for some more modern Metallica. Modern Metallica. OK. Um, Reload is the seventh album. Uh, 97. This is a shorter track. Uh, I picked the song Fuel, which Fuel is interesting. It had, I think it was a little mm. more of that classic Metallica sound. Um, mm-hmm. a lot, it, it seems to have, it seems to be a polarizing song with Metallica fans that either love it or they hate it. There's not really an in between with it. Um, mm. I liked it. I think the whole analogy, they would, it wasn't the deepest songwriting, but they keep throwing analogy back to cars and fuel. And yes. that kind of just, you know, it, it was in there. It was, like I said, it had a nice, nice Metallica sound to it. I think for the, for that reload album, again, I think these are the weaker albums they've done. Um, it, I think it, I think it satisfies, it will, it will satisfy you if you want a little bit of what Metallica was in the eighties. Uh, this is, but like I said, mm. I, I've seen people like go back and forth on this song. I, I've seen people say this sucks. This, and then my next song's in the same category as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't mind the song. I think the other thing about it is like Hatfield, well, you, the car analogy is a great one because Hatfield, he's a big hot rod guy. Oh, this came up in the interview we did with uh, Rob Dietrich. Uh, Loves hot Rob, rods. Car, yeah, he's a hot rod guy. And Rob Dietrich, who's the guy who did the, the, the distilling, is, is a car guy. So it all came into it. Yeah. But I mean, not just hot rods. People know it's like those rat rods. So it's sort of like those hot rods that don't look done up, that look like they're part of like six different cars, you yeah. know, and it's got like these weird stick shifts and stuff. So, yeah. So. So that would make a ton. I, don't, I mean, I don't I think for me as a fan, like I didn't mind that song. I think by then I was sort of tapped out. Because it's been six years, it's been like, eh. Like the load album really didn't do a whole lot for me, so I was like, Ugh. and I yeah. kind of moved on. I, I but, get, and I, I totally get it. You know, but they're still a you know incredibly popular band, so it wasn't like they were you know. Um, but so I I'm going I'm finally into the black album on my list here, right? And I have the amazing power ballad, sad but true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is go. just a killer song. Uh, I love the track. Um, we'll talk about some re-releases of the covers of the track, which are very good. But just the guitar in this track, Coop, and how heavy it is—it's just so good. Yeah, such a great track. And I think this this track and this album have increased in critical acclaim with age. Like, I think when you look back and we talked about looking back and that maybe Injustice for All gets lost. I think this album does a lot better. Like, I think people look back on this album and like it a lot more than when it came. I mean, it came out originally sold really well, but I think critically it's gotten more love over the years um, than maybe some of the other ones. Yeah. 
God, this track is so good. It is, yeah. What's your What's your last one here, Coop? Um, all right. So the eighth album. This is from the eighth album. Um, the album Saint Anger, and the song is uh Saint Anger as well. So the band yep. went through it was a that period from ninety. There was another long break the band had. Okay. Um, during this period, Jason Newstead leaves the band. Um, yep. um, the other thing is this is that period is when you may not remember this. That's when the whole Napster thing was coming up. Yeah. Metallica was a big advocate of shutting down Napster. So they were yes. all over this stuff. Uh, in like 2000, 2001, that, that time period, they, they were, they were all back off into that. Um, Saint Anger is, I think, the most polarizing album that's been done. Mm. Uh, I I mentioned I mentioned it because it is a polarizing album, and the track the title track is a polarizing song. Um, and when it comes to Saint Anger, um, uh, this like a lot of people don't like, like this song. There's a lot of um controversy basically on um. You know, there's this criticism of Robert Trujillo's bass on here. Mm. Lars Lars Ulrich is is criticized quite a bit on this album. Um, you know, the uh, you know, he's criticized that, but I like the track. I do like this track. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Lars Lars Ulrich starts out with that, you know, that into today fire. Uh, mm. Um, you know, which is that's more prominently I think seen in the video actually. Um, which people know about it. Um. But here's the weird thing about this, uh, Dave. Mm-hmm. This won the best metal performance at the Grammy Awards. This song. No, did it? It's a good song. Yeah, it's a good. But would I put it like in those eight songs? I would not put it in the top four. Is what I'm saying. But they got they got the Gram they got the best metal performance award. Uh, in in um in uh, now it's not the first time they've gotten a they've not the first time they've gotten a a, a Grammy. From they got it for um. 99 they got it from better better than you um from the reload album of all things right so it's kind of weird because uh they've also stone cold crazy also got one and one got one so they've won they've won four actually they've won yeah they've won quite a few of these right but i didn't get it okay i didn't get they won four they won five grammys for best metal performance over their career right um but i don't know what this is where i don't know what the grammys were thinking here I don't know. But but this is a good song. I I don't have a problem. Like the I had a bigger problem when when better than you got it right. Yeah. Um. But you know the year they the year they got this. Um. You had they were really that was Marilyn. Everyone thought Marilyn Manson's Bob scene was going to get it that year, and Corns mm-hmm. did my time was the other one in there. So I don't know. I don't know. I think the Grammys didn't really understand metal. This is just my opinion. Oh yeah, but definitely. but this wasn't a bad song. I, I I like it, but it's a it's you want to talk about polarizing, and and this album was maligned because of the snare drum. Mm-hmm. When Lars mm-hmm. went to the snare drum, pe- that's when people I think there was some okay, we'll tolerate some of the stuff on Load and Reload, but when the snare drum <laughs> we'll came in there, this ain't Metallica with the snare drum. I mean that was no. the big that was the big thing. So so yeah, that's that's what happened. There. But it's 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 a it's a it got a heavy start and then it goes softer. And but I still think the song is about it. It fits that Metallica darkness about venting anger, but it talks about venting anger in a positive way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so, and I really think that this was 
pretty much, you know, at that point, the eighth, the eighth album. I think at this point, Metallica moved into that category of becoming a um, more of a touring. Like, yeah, they, you know, I don't think people are looking to them to come out with big albums anymore at this point. I think that was no. it. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and I think, yeah, I mean, you got you hit it on the head. It's yeah. sort of like it gets to what we're going to talk about in new music. It's sort of like. With all these great albums from, you know, 86 to 91, it's like, well, why am I listening to to these ones when I can listen to that? Yeah, um, yeah. So I went through, so I, I wanted to pick a deep cut. Something, you know. You went where we do Yeah, this was a go. Something deep. So I picked Am I Evil? <clears throat> which is another Diamond Head cover, and it was originally a B-side to the Creeping Death single, um, which Creeping Death was on, I believe, Creeping Death was on Master of Puppets, was it? or uh, Creeping Death, I believe, was on Master of Puppets. I will I will double-check that as we So talk. this is a B-side. You could find it. Oh, no, Ride the Light. Or it's on either Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets, one of the two. Uh, it's, um, it is on... Uh... It actually is a track on um no it's a track on it's this B side track not B track it's side two track of um wait what did you you pick creeping death I picked am I evil which is oh okay creeping no I'm death. sorry I thought you picked creeping death um yeah so creeping death so creeping death came out as a single this was the B side off of that single that's okay yeah so that was I think it was master puppets let's we'll see that um uh, which uh, I don't know where that one is. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. It might be right yeah. lightning because you because you can find, um, this song. So you can find the song now because like as a lot of these got deluxe versions. Yeah. Um, and creeping death. Yeah, ride the lightning. It's on. So creeping death is on ride the lightning. This is the B side to that. So if yep. you get the ride the lightning deluxe version, it'll have the track on it. Right. You don't have to hunt the single down. Um, I'm looking it's a great track. It, yeah, it's just the and and it's uh, another di- they love Diamond Head, another Diamond Head cover. Yeah, uh, and it's just a great track. So a little deep cut there, little B side. No, um, they, but I remember yeah. that 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 track when it came when it came out that B side, which I had, and it was uh, very good. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good deep track actually. I had heard that. I did. I said I, I didn't go validate where it was, but uh, yeah, good job with that one. So, final thoughts on Metallica Coop. So, this is where I want to ask you the question here. Where we 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 talked about these first four albums, right? Oh, yep. and then like, like I said, they just dominated thrash metal. They just were synonymous with the the change happens in ninety one. Begins yeah. to happen in ninety one. My question to you is: Should should Metallica have made a change at that point? Because, or should they have just stuck with to what they were doing? I mean, they kind of did. I mean, maybe you could argue that they should have made really leaned. I think the problem with Metallica. Is that they did make a change in ninety one, like Black Album, like you mentioned, is different than the other ones. 
Yeah. And there's sort of but it still it still has some of the stuff you love about Metallica, which is right. like the really strong power ballads and stuff. I think the thing Coop is, I think what killed them is they weren't able to manage breaking into the mainstream well as a band. And that gap that you talked about between the Black Album and Load is what killed them. Yeah, and I we and I think you're on a hundred percent on point with that because that period was the period where we saw Top Forty dying, and the opportunity for them it was that presented the opportunity for all the non-Top Forty artists to now start getting mainstream, and we've seen it work with some bands like Nirvana, right? But they they didn't do it. They didn't take advantage yeah. of that period to do it from 91 to 96 when this was happening. So they were behind the eight ball by 96 at this point, in my opinion. They're doing too many bands that had progressed ahead of them at that point. And now you had this this grunge movement, which was much more dominant. And, you know, the, the grunge thing wasn't going to work for Metallica. I mean, that, that just, that's not that sound. That would have been worse. I mean, here's the thing, right? And this is my, this is just my so, so Nirvana, right? Who had Bleach in like, what was that, 89 or whatever? Then got super popular with Nevermind in '91, which you could argue their popularity ended up that and heroin killing Kurt Cobain. But yep. um, but Meta- but Nirvana then put out Heart Shaped Box in Utero with Heart Shaped Box, which was which was really because really Coop they could have they could have added elements of grunge to the metal and done really well because really all grunge is is like a dirtied up metal anyway really um is is they put out in utero in 93 yeah so they didn't go they didn't go they didn't fall off and wait forever they put another record out two years and that record was huge um, so I think what Metallica could have done is if they say put out another record instead of '96, put one out in '93, that was similar to Black Album, but maybe a bit heavier and not thrashy, but more like crunchy, more industrial. Like think sort of if they went like a Nine Inch Nails route or something, and still stayed thrashy, but maybe like a bit more industrial. Um. Then I think maybe they let that drop off, but the problem is they spent so long in between records. They're putting out a record in '96 that's like music's changed again, and it's like it's been so long in between. Their sound is kind of like, what are we now? And they kind of fell off. I mean, I think that's the problem. Is that I mean, the problem isn't is that all the effort into putting out that '91 album and all the success off of that album really killed the band, and it took them that long to recover. Yeah. And by the time they did, music sort of passed them by, I think. And they weren't they weren't able to adapt, I believe. Yeah. It's sort of like what happened to Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. He you know, put out a record in 91 and, and then sort of was like, oops, and then yep. it's sort of gone. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, there was a lot of turmoil after Reload to St. Anger with mm-hmm. the band. Like, I, you know, I, I talked about earlier, you know, there was the Napster thing, but this is when Jason Newstead left the band. 
and he has yeah. come back to them a few times. But I, I don't, I from what I understand, this was not a a pleasant breakup, because uh, what happened is Newstead, Newstead wanted to do a side project called Echo Brain. Uh, actually, that is a side project, Echo Brain. And James Hetfield was like, no, he goes, you're either yeah. all in with Metallica or you're out. It was like, we're not doing side projects here. So he was very much against the side project thing. And uh, so he, Jason Newstead quit the band is what happened there. Um, mm. And he did a few other side projects like uh, Rockstar Supernova, a few other things like that. Um, and then James Hetfield also went into rehab during that, like also during that period. Yeah. And um Saint Anger, from what I understand, was not a good. Like, it was one of those very difficult recording sessions as well, which I think also contributed to that. Mm. So, um, the the one thing I will say is he did. Newstead was invited back for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in two thousand nine, so he did he did come in there uh, with that, and uh, he also played on the thirtieth anniversary shows. But in my opinion, yeah, that, I I think Newstead's departure, like you were alluding to earlier, the band was starting to crack at that point. Um, and I look back, like I said, I think with load and reload being so weak, I think I understand where Jason was coming from with that. Like, you know, hey, I think sometimes you need to recharge creatively. Uh, remember what happened with the Rolling Stones when when Keith and Mick were having some problems? Mick went and did the solo work for a little while. Uh, right. He did come back. He did come back. And and they, you know, they got a little bit. I think so. I think he, sometimes the band did need to recharge a little, in my opinion, mm. with that. But they never captured it back, uh, you know, again, you know, like I said, St. Anger was pretty much, I think, the end of that at that point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, you know, great band. I'm glad I got to do the show. Love talking Metallica. It's a great it's a great band. Look, um, I think, first of all, this was a great, you know, we're gonna, we'll get the cigar in a second to see James Hetfield kind of become a part of the industry mm. and you know this he smokes cigars on the tour he smokes the blackened cigars the metallica community was very much they're behind the, the whiskey and the cigar i don't think this is a gimmicky whiskey i don't think this is a gimmick you know you may say the music thing's a little gimmicky but i think it's a cool mm. project um yeah yeah and, and look the cigar we'll talk about in a second um i think this cigar is going to land in my top 25 this year it's a it's a good it's different than anything i've had from Drew state i'll tell you that um, oh yeah no i mean do you want to get into the cigar yeah. cigar thoughts yeah um uh, i'm pretty I'm, uh, I'm i still got a lot of cigar left i it's a slow burn well. these are slow burning cigars yeah um i don't know about you coop so this one you get sort of the sweetness you're looking for, Maduro, but there's it is very rich, rich chocolatey coffee, a bit of, bit of sort of that Maduro for me. Maduro sort of like blueberry sweetness yep. every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yep. I got I noticed in my review I actually marked that as well. They have a fruit but type it, of flavor to it. Yeah, but mm. it's it's secondary. It's not gonna. It's not that jammy flavor which I can't. No, stand. no, no. Yeah, but it's uh, I mean it's got a bit of kick to it. I mean I think like it's a definite. I mean, if you want to put out a cigar about Metallica, you want to put out something with some with some punch in it. You don't want, you know. Yeah. So no, I think it. I think it's really good. I mean, what do you? What do you? What are your sort of thoughts on yours? Um, I agree. Um, you know, first of all, this is a very affordable line these days. Mm. Okay, so the the cigars range from ten nine fifteen in price to ten thirty five. 
Uh, the Toro's priced at nine eighty five, and your cigar's priced at ten thirty five. This is not a bad price for a cigar here. No. Um, it. I haven't smoked your size, but I will tell you the Toro has been my favorite size. I've smoked the uh, the Robusta and the Corona. Um, and I agree with you on all that. It's a cigar. I think in the second half, the strength factor kicks up a little, and the flavors yes. may not keep up. Keep up with this, so it's going to give you a little bit of a kick in that. Um, the burn. Now, a lot of times I'll say, "Hey, there's there's air blowing on me, and this is a burn." Uh, this cigar just has always been a little bit more of a burn. I've had to work. It's not a terrible burn, mm. but it's one. It's it's not a set it and forget it burn. I've had with it at least at least no. with the Toros. Uh, but the draw is great on this. Um, and uh, I love it. It has those those it has those mocha flavors, but it's got some of those gritty earth flavors too. Which this is why I think it's so different. Like one thing I can say, Drusy has a lot of Maduros, right? This doesn't mm. smoke like any of the Maduros they have. Um, no, you're right. Only, yep. Not Liga. This is not Undercrown. Um, no. Uh, this is not um, uh, the Herrera Esteli Maduro. So, uh, but I think it's a great cigar. It was a 90, 90 rated cigar, which is a very good score for me these days. Um, mm. And uh, I definitely buy and smoke this cigar for sure. And look, the whiskey is fantastic. Um, uh, I don't drink a lot. I drink slow, but it's got, like I said, that caramely. That caramely mm. taste on it is so good. In a compliment, you, like how is it with the cigar? Is it like I pair find, really well, or yeah, it pairs really well. I think the cigar enhances the whiskey a little more in this case. Uh, okay, so some of the gritty flavors and, and these earthy flavors they they mesh well with the sweetness. You get that caramely sweetness very well. Um, a lot of times people say the whiskey will enhance the cigar. I think it's the other way around with this mm. one. Uh, uh, but yeah, um, you know, my experience, you know, I've had mixed experiences with all Maduro cigars in the past, right? Oh, but okay. I've had some that work and I've had some that haven't worked. Um, I, you know, I think a good example of ones that work with Camacho's triple Maduro. They used to have the A Turin triple play was mm. good. Um, I think La Casita Criollo by Pete. Not quite, quite didn't do it for me as much. That was an old broad leaf cigar, so um, but not bad. That's not a bad cigar either. So, so I think I put this on the side. This is a good cigar. Um, I think it's gonna do very well. For, I, I think ultimately I see this brand expanding with Drew Estate. I could yeah. see them. Doing oh another. yeah. Uh, but I think it was cool. You 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 got to do a Maduro cigar if you're gonna call it blackened too. So that's uh, right. I don't. I mean, I, I I hope they don't do black in Connecticut. That won't make any sense to me. <laughs> Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, but I, I imagine M81. I imagine the brand will be black and M81's the cigar. So uh, but I also think the other thing we mentioned too is you were right, Dave. When this came out, there was not enough cigars. No. Um Jonathan Drew may get mad at me for saying this, but Espinosa, when they released Guy Fieri, had enough cigars. Now, yeah. I think Drew said that problem's fixed itself. I think it was a short thing. Uh I think they came out with this cigar at a bad time of the year. End of the year is the worst time to come out with a cigar, so um, mm. it, it took a little while, but I think it's getting the momentum, and I think it's gonna be a staple in the Drew Estate portfolio for a while. Oh yeah, because it's got to be selling well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I had trouble. I have the Corona Doubles. I haven't been able to find those actually locally. I could, I'm sure. Right. I'm sure I'd search. I'll find them. But again, a reasonably priced cigar. This is a very affordable cigar, uh, and I hate using the word rotation cigar, 
But if you like this, this is a profile I could see people liking. And I could see, you know, I don't know James Hetfield, but I could see him liking this cigar. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got good body to it. It's got good flavor, but it's not like super strong. Like it's not going to, you know. Yeah, it's. I'd say it's medium to full out. strength, but I think the flavors are probably more in the medium bodied flavored range. Um, yeah. You know, so, the, so they're not very heavy on the palate, uh, but the strength does kick up in the second half of the cigar. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Let's get some new music here, Coop. Oh yeah. So, um, I'll mention that our new music segment is always brought to you by Cigar Hustler, located in Deltona, Florida. Uh, a great place to go and have a cigar. Uh, their lounge is fantastic. Their humidor is great. Something for everybody in the humidor. Great customer service. Um, can't say enough. And, of course, if you can't get down to Deltona, Florida, uh, you can go to CigarHustler.com. Uh, I advise you get on their mailing list. Get on their um, the say social media because when their limiteds mm. drop, uh, they drop. I know the example, the Quincogenarios are now dropped on their mm-hmm. site. Uh, the Postani mm. Connecticut's are out. Ben Ben Lee gave it a ninety one. Uh, yesterday on Coop on Smoking Syndicate. All right, I mean it's a good cigar. Ben and Bear are very are much higher on the cigar maybe than I am. Uh, but um, you know it's it, but but you know nonetheless, it, it I think it's going to do very well at the end of the year ratings for sure. Uh, I haven't reviewed it yet, so it's not really fair uh, for me mm. to make a comment one way or another. But like I said, it's getting – I think people like it. Um, so Postani, folks don't know and listen to the show for the first time, that is the brand of uh, of Cigar Hustler. So they make those cigars at Nika Sueño, which is the Romacraft factory. And, uh, yeah, so it got, it got a uh, 91. I also want to make one last comment. If you're not following Mike Palmer on social media – uh, he's doing like an ep- he did an epic road trip this week of his drive from Florida to Missouri. Uh, it's a great road trip he did, so I think he really captured it well. So follow him on on Facebook. Yeah, he's a good guy, Mike. So we gotta get those guys right. back on the show. We gotta get those guys back on the show. Look at all that pub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and I'm I'm getting some cigars from Mike uh, delivered to me very soon. Uh, Night. Um, so we got uh let's look at new music. Side A, Chris Stapleton is putting out a new record. Yeah. He has a song out which I reviewed called White Horse. Uh very rocky. I got Bon Jovi vibes off this song Coop. Like yes, wanted Yeah, uh, I, I did too. Live. Uh, yeah. Uh Stapleton, I think, is known for being a bit more Traditional, but yeah. this song is very sort of eighties country rock to me, uh, which well, I like. And I liked it. He pulled it off. Um, here's a guy I think again, maybe he had a look at saying I have to change things up a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did very well with this song. I think this is gonna be a big hit for him. Yeah. I mean, it's got his classic vocal, which is amazing. Yeah. So I'm excited for this record. We'll see how it goes. The Olivia Rodrigo record Guts has finally dropped, which we just were we just commented on this last show that she had like some single out. It was like forever. Yeah. It's like, when's this record? Uh, And it's and it's dropped. So the opening track is called All American Bitch. And speaking of artists changing up their sound, um, this record goes a bit everywhere with some classic sort of Rodrigo 
tunes that you're looking for off of Sour, but also more 90s punk, which is kind of like this track. I've been much more goes all yeah, over it. I've been much more impressed with Guts than Sour. I was not high on Sour. I think she's done. I I keep talking about that performance uh, of your Sylvain. Yep. It almost like, you know, I saw another side to her, and now I'm now it's reflect. I'm sure that album was already in the works when yeah. um she did that. So I'm I'm really seeing her evolve a lot more. I'm really curious to see what the Grammys going to think of her come come next uh, later. I think yeah. the nominations come out towards the end of the year, so I'm sure we're going to do our show on that. So I'm curious to see where that lies. But I think this is a good track as well. But yeah, changing up her sound, um, which is nice to see. Yeah, and you have a bonus track that we've sort of been alluding to the whole time. Yeah, so I'll let you kick it off. I had a listen. I'll give you my okay. thoughts. Uh, it's the Rolling Stones. They have a new album coming out. I think we talked about that on the last show. Uh, but they dropped a song called "Angry." Um, I think musically, with one exception, you, you're, I'm going to let you point that part out. Um. It was pretty good. I think in general, I thought that Keith Richards and uh, and um, Ronnie Wood were on point with their guitar work on here. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's got a nice hook on the chorus. It's 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 kind of a little bit of a catchy. Uh, I like the closing. to. I like the end of closing of the song. I think it's got some, some sh- you know, shifts gears a little. Um, the lyrics were kind of weak, though. I mean, they were for it seemed forced. I mean, this is just this was not good Rolling Stone, uh, Rolling Stone songwriting here. Uh, but nonetheless, I would give this song a listen to. Uh, it's enough to make me curious about the old, the whole album coming out. Um, but I'm going to let you kind of take as you made a your point is right on with this as well. So I had to listen. And first of all, album art is terrible. Uh, we um, talked about, oh, it's horrible. I agree. I think the big the big thing with this, I think it's what, like 18 years since they put out an original yeah. record or something. So that's sort of the big, you know, selling point, which has got people excited. Uh, this is the new drummer, Steve Jordan. Yeah. Who um, has joined the band. And I, I think Coop is on point with everything he says, which is the problem with the song for me. And we get into this with Metallica. We get into this with other bands. And this is why. And that's the opposite of this is why I'm, I'm excited about Rockstar from Dolly. It's just like, well, if it sounds musically and everything, and I agree with Coop, if it sounds just like Let It Bleed or Tattoo You or Exile on Main Street, but it's not as good, I'd rather listen to those. So I think that's the problem. Is that it's sort of like, well, yeah, it's kind of as good, but it's like when you're a band that has albums like Let It Bleed and Exile on Main Street, like I would rather just listen to that. If yeah. It's going to sound kind of the same, which like I guess with Dolly is the opposite of that in that. Like it still has Dolly in there, but she's like, I'm mixing it up and this is like a rock album. So, God, look at that. What is that? I don't know what they were doing with that. It was like they typed something into AI. Some chatbot came up with yeah. that. That is awful. It was all... terrible. I mean, I'm where's sorry. where's the tongue? It's <laughs> uh, terrible. Like I, I can't. I think, but that's my problem with the coop. Is you're on point with everything you say, but I think the problem with it is that if it's like, oh, this reminds me of what the Stones were like, but it's not as good. It's like, well. For me, it's like, well, is it worth, you know, it's not really like Duran Duran's album. 
it sounded like Duran Duran, but it was like as good, if not better, than some of their old stuff. That record, yeah. or like Turning Points. It's like, yeah, it's Tears for Fears, but they're doing this whole new thing, and it's great. If you're just doing the same thing, like I just would rather listen to those other records. Is for me, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, from what I heard on the album, there is some Charlie Watts drum drums of it. Yes. Yeah. I believe there is. Um, I think there's a couple of tracks that have that. Um, but you know, so, and I'm not. I don't want to pick on Steve Jordan too much here, right? I mean, to replace Charlie Watts is is you know there was going to be a difficult thing to do. Charlie Watts, I always said he was the the glue that held the Rolling Stones together. He 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 was the most healthy looking one, and he was the one who ended up dying first. Um, so that's. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, this, the track I'm really looking forward to hearing is Live by the Sword because Bill Wyman uh, is back on there. And Bill Wyman, mm. um, Bill Wyman is 87 years old. He's going to be next month, right? So this is an 87 year old guy coming in, coming into the studio. Yeah. But yeah, these guys. I mean, you know, Mick Jagger is, is just turned 80, right? I think Keith Richards um, turns 80 later this year. So you have octogenarians in here. Uh, Ronnie Wood is 76, right? So, I mean, we have almost octogenarians doing this. Again, I, I just think the songwriting wasn't there. I, I hope the no. songwriting is better. Um, so, again, my expectations with Steve Jordan were were weaker. It just definitely wasn't a, a Charlie Watts caliber song by any means. But um, I, I think they're going to have a tough time getting airplay. I really do. I... I mean, I think the thing about the song is like when you're talking about Steve Jordan and like, yeah, you can't compete. But I mean, the drums are just sort of there. Like, you're yeah, the, right. Like the, the guitar holds the song together. But the drums are just sort of around like they're yeah. not they're not like how yeah. they used to be. Yeah. Uh, there isn't there are two other music. There's actually three other musicians who are, who are on this album. All right. Uh, Paul McCartney okay. does the bass work on Bite My Head Off. Yes, I think I read that. Yeah. Yep. Lady Gaga is going to be on a song called Sweet Sounds of Heaven. Okay. And Elton John's playing piano on Get Close and again on Live By the Sword. Live By the Sword is a track I really want to hear uh, okay. because obviously it's Bill Wyman. It, it's uh, Elton John. Um, but the songwriting uh, is is Keith Richards and, and Mick Jagger. And, and it's, it's not. I, I don't know what to say. If angry is yeah, any I... indication of this, um, I have this weird. I mean, I have this weird feeling that they're gonna get a Grammy nomination. I have this. Oh uh, yeah. You know, I have a weird feeling they're gonna maybe not for the big awards, but one of the rock. I I just have this feeling. Um, and I'm I'm wondering. If, I mean, "Live by the Sword" is the track I'm really looking forward to. I hope it doesn't let me down. Yeah. I anyway. Do you understand the Let's name just, of the album either? Hackney, Hackney Diamond. Uh, whatever. I, <laughs> I, I don't think this song is going to win over uh, Sensei. No. <laughs> but again, but again, he picked uh, "Paint It Black" for his James Brown thing. So great song. Well, like uh, that's what I'm saying. Like uh, anyway. Fine. I mean, put out music. Fine. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Yeah, no, but uh, but we'll see what happens. I mean, nonetheless, I think uh, this album drops on my son Stephen's uh twenty third birthday, oh, October twentieth. So uh, I will be definitely 
keying in to listen to that album for sure. So uh, whether it makes the coupe list, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I'm definitely going to listen to it because like it's their first record in 18 years or something. So you got to at least I, listen to it. I, I think that's why they're they're aiming for this October release, too. I think they want to get in. If they if they wait, it may be too late to get a Grammy. Uh, yeah, I hear what yeah. you say. Yeah. But I think going back to what I said, <laughs> they needed to do what Tears for Fears was doing. They promoted these songs really well on social media, and I haven't seen these songs promoted very well. Well, I don't. I mean, poof, don't pro- don't promote that album, Mark. I'll tell you that. Uh, um, yeah, it's a stock way. Chief. Album Archaeology Coop. So we talked about Metallica and the Black Record. So the Black Record got a whole redo called Metallica Black List. And these mm-hmm. are covers of all of the songs. And they got people on there from like Elton John, St. Vincent, Chris Stapleton, Royal Blood, The Chats. They have like Spanish bands on here. It's crazy. And so, like, you know, there might be five different covers of Sad But True and stuff like that. So it's just a really cool thing to check out. Listen to these covers. Metallica's on a couple of them doing, like, uh, the backing fill while, you know, someone else is singing or whatever. So, yeah, I would check it out, if especially if you're a Metallica fan. Get some good covers in there. Some interesting twists on these songs. So, yeah, the Metallica Blacklist. Yeah, I... um. I was there were a lot of like like a lot of these songs were covered multiple times on here. Yes, yep, yep, yep. So some of them are better than others. It's a long, it's a long, it's a long track for sure. I mean, long, long playlist. For, oh yeah, it's like four records at least. Four, yeah, it's a four disc. Yeah, four records, four disc. Yeah. Um. So um, it's definitely uh, the Phoebe Bridgers one of Nothing Else Matters was interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought. Um. I, I thought that was a pretty good one, but but uh, um. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out the. Um, for sure. Uh, Weezer's even on it for Skip. Yeah, yeah I understand, man. They did a good job, Skip. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's it it gets like an interesting spin on some you know some of these tracks. Yeah, it's fun. Agree, agree. So, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of music on there, and I think, like I said, the fact that they do multiple versions of the songs, I think, was pretty cool how, how that happens. So you get different mm. spins of that as well. Yeah, that's that's all I got for the uh, Metallica show. So check it out. Yep. All right. So uh, that's our Metallica sh- uh, show. Um, definitely thank you to our audience uh, for tuning in. Thank you, Dave. Uh, it was great to do another show. Stay tuned to our social media uh, channels for our next show and um what, what our topic will be. I know we have a few things in the queue, um, but that's going to wrap up primetime jukebox episode one Oh nine into the annals of history for this late September edition. We will catch everybody on the flip side. Take care, everybody. <laughs>